right. Let's go. Hey. We're back. <laughs> I feel like I have to let my listeners know that I'm alive and well because I just keep going missing. But I, I'm, I'm going to get it together. It's going to happen. So welcome back, guys, to the Loquacious Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about the Amazon Prime show, Shiny Happy People, the Duggar Family Secrets. Huh. So, um, it, even though I'm talking about that with the guests that I have, we're going to dive deep into some, some other avenues. Um, so, stick with me. Don't think we're only talking about that. But it did just come out last week, um, and a lot of people are talking about it. So, why not me? So, before we get started, I want to introduce my guest for today. Um, Her mom and my sister were childhood friends, (laughs) which is a whole twisted thing to even say out loud. Um, And we met in junior high. Um, Ended up working together after college. And during this time after college is kind of the time frame that we're going to be talking about with her today. (laughs) She has a podcast called Spirituality with Chastity. So without further ado, welcome Chastity! Hey! It's your girl. Thank you for having me so much. I appreciate it. It's like so means a lot. Inspirational, life giving. I don't even know the exact words, but it's an honor. It's an honor. That speaking of that, let me fill people in. Chastity is the reason I started my podcast because she started hers right before. And I was like, I mean, might as well. <laughs> I talk a lot. Chastity is out here doing big things, telling her life story, talking about. I guess we could reveal that now that she was in a cult. So to lose yes. contact with somebody and then their podcast come out and it's like, hey guys, I've been missing, but here's why. <laughs> And the reason is something that I'm obsessed with. Like, I'm obsessed with watching cult documentaries and, like, learning about them and how it all works. Like, it's always intrigued me. So, for someone that I know and have been around and had spent time with to go through that, I was like, what? And you're Black. So, you know, the stereotype of, like, Black people don't do shit like that. That, that's not true. Like this, this happens to everybody. It's not true. It happens to everybody's grandma, auntie, because yes. <laughs> it's it, a theological thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it happens. So I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you for inspiring me to jump out there and do something that I didn't think I could do, or that people would care to listen to or care about me. So I feel Mm. like you created that space and there was an episode that I did with someone named Desiree and we talked a little bit about how I wanted to diversify my channel just to make sure that like it could be broad for everybody. And she was like, no, you are in the space that you're supposed to be in. And Mm. I feel like your podcast proves that to me. Like there is space for black women to just be black and talk about 
being black or to be spiritual and think differently than other people and like you're still going to attract the people that you're supposed to attract so mm-hmm. as you say it's an honor to be with me it is an honor to be with you and I feel oh. like we're oh. about to give the people an episode okay yes <laughs> thank you so much you're just, this is like just a beautiful moment yes and, full yeah, circle moment. Beautiful. it is a full circle moment yes so the first thing we're going to get to is this word association. Now, y'all, just ah! text me. <laughs> it was like, please tell me we're doing word association. Yes. Yes. <laughs> they happen every episode. So you lucked out and it is Ooh. your turn. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. I think. All so. right. So you're going to get 10 words. And mm-hmm. of these 10 words, there may be one that I decide to dig deeper on and ask you a few more questions. Mm-hmm. Other than that, mm-hmm. it's just rapid fire. Okay. So your first word is brave. Mm. Merida. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> the next one is guts. Mm. Swarm. Okay. The next one is feminine. Divine feminine energy, aka the black infinity. Yes, <laughs> well, that's exactly what comes to mind for me too. Like the to down to the words, we're good. Yes, your next word is suppress. <sighs> suppress, damage. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. The next word is orange. Orange? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. This two-piece outfit that I just got. Okay, two so piece. To celebrate my breast reduction. I didn't even tell you, I don't think. Oh no. Yeah, so I got a bunch of outfits with my titties out and one uh-huh. of them is hot, burnt orange or something. Yeah. Sexy mama. <laughs> Your next word is baker. Banker. Mm. Baker. Like uh bakery baker. Oh baker. The hunger games. Pita. I can't deal. <laughs> you lost me there. I don't know those people. <laughs> okay. But somebody, somebody out there in this world, yes. they love you for that. Oh God! Your next oh. word. Is, what? Um, sorry, that reminds me. I have after this, I have um, a couple words that I will use to describe myself. Oh, okay. Okay. So, sorry, I'm gonna. Anyway. So ignorance is your next word. Oh. I kind of want to say white America, but um, but you already did, and I love that. That's what I want. The first. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh! Okay, (laughs) it's there already. We have placed it. That that makes sense to me. Yeah, gosh. So your next word is falling. Falling. Mm Mm-hmm. Lucifer, and Mm. at the same time. Alicia Keys. 
I girl, that's what came to mind for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's see. <laughs> Two more words. Your next one is education. Oh, scam. Aha. <laughs> 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 Damn. I am. We are on one page. You hear me? Big ass scam. Damn. <laughs> so your last word is complication. Complication? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Labor and delivery. You're weirding me out because these are definitely what's coming to mind with me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ain't that show too? Shit. Right? Yeah. Since now that we're talking about that. Yeah, that definitely is a whole situation. Yeah, um, yeah. I actually just had to take a a course at work about women's health and mm-hmm. all the statistics of like morbidity for black and brown people. And the terrible. saddest part is it's preventable deaths. Like I know. Like 400% more likely to die, but it's all preventable. Like, what? I know. I know. It definitely does promote me to want a baby. I know. I've met multiple Black women who have told me, they're like, I'm not having children because at this point, it's like a health threat. It's a hazard. Like, it's- You're literally gambling your life. <laughs> You're literally gambling your life. Like, why would Literal. I do that? Whole entire I want a good quality of life with my husband, and we're good. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's the yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like my cult ass, right? I just oh. like for women, especially women down south. I I don't think it's ever been presented that we don't have to have children, right? Because it's tied to the Bible of you need to be fruitful and you weren't given an option to say I don't want to do that yeah well I've never even thought that I didn't want to do it I because because it was literally a part of this world that mm-hmm. I I don't know <laughs> was indoctrined into exactly right the culture just- not just the church the culture and the, the society, the Southern society. Yes, that to me is just crazy. And it was like, when I used to say that, and I used to be like, oh, I never want kids, people would be like, don't say that. And that's a horrible thing to say. Like, it was never just like, <laughs> okay, if that's what you want, like, that's fine. Because I tell people all the time, it never made sense for me to be a mother until Jeremy was presented as being the father. And then it was like, mm. okay, I'm willing to do that with him. But before uh-huh. that, starting at like five, six years old, I never wanted kids. And I always said if uh, I did have them, I would adopt. Yeah, I'm all for the adoption game now. I'm like, pregnancy was the worst experience of my life. Just the physical development what? alone. That's not even counting the not being able to find a black doctor and being with old white doctors who don't even know about these statistics. And they're so ignorant. Yes, but I, I asked had a them, tough pregnancy, girl. Yeah, it was right when COVID started, and I wanted to kill myself. 
I'm so just like those morning that. sickness but it runs in my family whatever but now I, I do want more kids if I can find someone that is worthy of having kids with but, but even if you don't find someone would you consider like getting a donor no I don't want to do this shit on my own ever again <laughs> okay real that's real but I would if I, I do want more kids and I'm very open to adopting because I'm like, why would, do I have to go through all of that again mm-hmm. if I don't have to? Right. Like, my thing, I feel you on that. My thing has always been there's so many children out there who don't have parents. Mm-hmm. So, like, why would I go create a child when I mm-hmm. there's already children out there? Like, and they need a yeah. loving home. They need someone to show them different. I feel like that'll change mm. that could possibly change the course of someone's life and the way that it's going to be and yeah. love is love like family is family it, it just because they don't have your genes doesn't mean that they can't be loved so right. that was always my thought process behind it Aww. but not to get us too far off track our next part <laughs> that we're going to do is i like to give people my kinship tie with them So a kinship tie is just anything that you smell, see, hear, feel, think. Um, And it makes you think about somebody, like it associates with somebody else. Mm. So yours. (laughs) Again, it's cult. It's a cult. No, it's not that. that. (laughs) Yours is, um, I have two of them. So the first one is uh, choir in junior high. So anytime I think about like those junior high moments, I always think about a specific one when we started singing um, Part of Your World in choir. Mm. I don't know why that song stuck, but like that is one of my core memories is being in there and singing and um being in there with you because you know going to school there was never many opportunities for you to be in a class with another black person mm-hmm. and so like most of those classes I remember who was in there and like who I was with but mm-hmm. that's one of my Aww. kinship ties with you um Aww. and the next one you should already know is um Chastity Sweet 16 oh god <laughs> that, that was not my 16 was it Yes, it no, was. No, I was 14. You were not. I was 14. Your ass was 16. I was 14. I was 16. Okay, so it wasn't her sweet 16. <laughs> it was her sweet 14. But either way, that bad boy was not sweet to me. Okay? Oh, God. It was not sweet. <laughs> um, usually, I would stick this uh, on the subscription <laughs> version. But I'll give uh-huh. you the story for free. I'll make it short and sweet. <laughs> Basically, Chastity had a sleepover for her birthday. <sighs> and we all went to the skating ring. And after the skating ring, we went to Waffle House. And then we were going to go to the hotel. So she had we stayed in the hotel. It was supposed to be like a pool party kind of night. Cute stuff. Sounds great. We get to Waffle House and her mom announces that no one can be on their cell phones after like eight. <laughs> and I was like, now, 
for for the ones that are a little bit younger, for my listeners <laughs> that are younger, Help me. you won't understand. But everybody else will. Minutes are not free till seven to, to nine o'clock at night. So, what you mean? I gotta be completely off my phone at eight. So, I have a boyfriend at this time, and her mom was not feeling that. Like in her mind, we were not together. And I was texting him at the Waffle House, and I she tried to take my phone away. So I was hiding, trying to text him and let him know what was going on, and she got mad. So we got in the car to leave and go to the hotel, and I was still on my phone, and her mom had a belt in the front seat. (laughs) And she took the belt and tried to, like, slap it in the back of the car. Because I was all the way, this is like an expedition, and I'm in the oh way back. Oh, my God. And she's slapping all our asses. She is whooping ass. everybody else's ass trying to get to mine. And she can't get there, so she gets pissed off. But then she ended up backing up the truck into one of those poles. Do <laughs> <laughs> you remember this? Girl, this is one of those repressed memories. <laughs> so she hit a pole. So I think I pissed her off even more, but there was no damage to the car. So she was fine. So we get to the hotel and she's like, give me your phone. I'm taking it away. So some kind of way she, and she did end up with my phone. Oh, I ended up giving it to her. But before I gave it to her, I threatened everybody at this sleepover to give me their phone because I was going to call my mama and I'm going to fuck home. Like I got to get, I got to get out of here. I have to go. So I gave her my phone, called my mom, let her know what was going on. By this time, it's like two in the morning. But I'm like, I'm out of here. All right, I can't do it. This, this woman took my phone away. I can't talk to my boyfriend. She said, no phones after eight. I'm like, I pay my phone bill. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? So um, for me, though, in that, it was my first time learning that I have a voice. And Mm. I credit my mom for that. Like, she always told me, taught me right from wrong, but she also told me that adults aren't always right and that I Mm -hmm. have a voice within that as long as I present it appropriately. And so Mm. that was, like, a a key moment for me realizing that there's a way to do things. Like, you can tell an adult no and still be respectful. I feel like that's Mm -hmm. something else that's put in our culture through church is just oh, like yeah. obey adults. They're always right. And that's how you end up in the situations that we're about to talk about. Exactly. Because, because you're just always so gung-ho on following authority. And you can mm-hmm. end up trapping yourself in some really bad situations like that. And my mom was never an advocate for that. She always told me like adults can be wrong and it there's a way for you to say no thank you or or I don't believe in that or that's not okay. And so I actually, just as recently as yesterday, used that in my therapy sessions with my children that I um, counsel because one of them was talking about a relationship she has with an elder that she doesn't respect. And she was like, when she comes around, I'm uncomfortable. And she was like, but I would never tell her that. And I was like, but why not? Mm. And that blew her mind to think that there was another way that she truly could express herself. So I had to explain what I'm telling you now, that there's a respectful way to say you're making me uncomfortable mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. without it coming off as disrespectful, but to where she can create that boundary because she deserves that and she's allowed to have that even at 
her young age. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that moment for me was pivotal because it was crazy. It's just a crazy story in general. Mm-hmm. But also it helped me to learn that if I do have children, that's something I want to pass on to them. But in the meantime, Mm -hmm. it was so pivotal in my life that I pass it on to others now in my practice. Wow. Yes. Girl, I love that. I literally love that. I have never expressed this on my own podcast because my mama listened to my podcast, but (laughs) um, healing from having such a domineering parent has been a huge part of my healing journey and a huge source of the plethora of issues that mm-hmm. I struggle with in life and especially mental health but just relationship relational cult ship everything <laughs> like belief system like you said like relationship with authority like it's been a a lot of mommy wound healing yeah. And um and then I'm also a mother. So I'm like trying to actually be a mother but not really having a an example of the the black kind of mother that I want my daughter to have. Does that make sense? Right. So it's literally like creation, divine feminine energy, manifestation, black girl magic powers activate yes all of it all of the above so I just remember for me like I said I repressed that memory and I have done that with a lot of my life because of my mother and um because I felt very in the middle of what was going on and my mom was actually super mad with me for a really long time after that because she felt like I didn't have her back or stick up for her or say something to you oh, wow and girl like i was under the bed under the bed hiding from this woman trying to make <laughs> sure that i could find a way out like i will not be here all night because that's another thing my mom always taught me was that you can always come home it doesn't matter what time it is you can mm-hmm. always come home and so that's wow. what made me call her and she like got right up and came and got me and was like this is what when I say you can always come home that's what I mean you don't have to stay here yeah comfortable and like the, <sighs> it was so awkward when my mom called and was like give her her phone back she's going home now and your mom was like what <laughs> girl but the, the crazy thing is that like I never thought that my mom could could be wrong and she never thought she could either it was like our house now that we're talking about it our house was like a mini cult and that's why I was primed and ready to be in a somebody's fucking cult cult (laughs) not primed and ready because we never got to question authority or what like this woman her you know as an actual person, like not my mom, but as an actual person, right, doing and saying and behaving, like, but yeah, so that was the norm to me, girl. Like the 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 not the unnorm was you leaving. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, I thought Tiffany knew my mom 
is like a fucking Nazi. No, I like I was so used to being off the phone at eight o'clock, girl, or whatever clock, whatever clock, <laughs> girl. Let me tell you, at my house, my mom got me my own phone line. I had my own phone in my room with voicemail. Like, I I would be on the phone till sometimes six in the morning. Like, that made no sense to me to be off the phone at eight. And I, was, I thought she was, I promise you, I thought she was joking when she first said it, which is why I laughed so hard in her face, because I thought we were all on the same page and it was a joke. And then I realized... Oh, it wasn't a joke no it was like the third time she was like you're still texting and I was like yeah <laughs> and then she was like oh you're st- you're in my face you're still gonna do it and I was like oh she's not joking this is like <laughs> like so, that, so the boyfriend I had at the time I texted him like Shut hey up. yo you might have to come get me bro like things are going down <laughs> and I was like you might need to call my mom or like I'm trapped and she's she's snatching my phone. Yes, that's exactly how I felt. And I was like, that's not it's not going down that way. And the crazy thing is, now that you say that, that's exactly how it was when I was at the church. So to fill y'all in, listeners, I clearly was a part of the cult too and didn't know. Um (laughs) that I got out early. (laughs) What church? Oh so before they named, yes so before the name changed of the church that chastity was going to and was a part of okay we're not gonna call it a church it was a cult so before they changed the name of the cult it was a different name and i was attending there but here's the big but when i would question them which is what i did with your mom i questioned things because i was always allowed to so when I would ask them questions, their answers didn't add up. So <laughs> I would I would question things and they would be like, you'll know in God's time. I'm like, well, in my time, you could answer that. <laughs> <laughs> because my grandfather is a pastor. And when I go to him and say, hey, I, I vividly remember wanting a belly button piercing, which I still have mm-hmm. to this day. I feel like it's tacky at this age, but we'll get over it. Um... <laughs> I was like, what does the Bible say about body piercings? And like, he sat me down and we looked at scripture and we talked about it and he was able to guide me. But then I start going to this church and they're just like, change everything about yourself. You can't do anything fun. Whatever you like, don't do it. And then when I ask (laughs) why, it's like, you'll know in God's time. Like, nah, I'm straight on all of this. I'm out. So... I think that's the only thing that stopped me from getting deeper into it. And I was questioning things like why children my age or a little bit older than me were Mm -hmm. like not watching basic things because I remember going to someone's house for Bible study and I asked about them watching a TV show and they were like, no, that is not of God. We do not watch that. And I was like, it's full house. You know, it was like a show like that. And I was like, (laughs) It's full house. Like, what are you talking about? And another memory that flashes right now is you and I went to lunch one time when we were working together. And. Oh, my gosh. You, we got in the car and I tried to put on some music and you were like, no, that's not, that's not what I listen to. 
too. I'm trying to think of what it was that you were listening to. But basically, I Christian music. Yes. I probably it was that in uh NPR radio, I think. Okay, love, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Help me. So I it I questioned it in my head of like, well, why not? You know, like we used to listen to music. We used to do those things. Like, why don't you know? But I didn't know then that you were being indoctrinated. So And not only that, not only that, Tiffany, not only was I being indoctrinated, but I have a personality type that is um extreme. It's <laughs> 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 a good way to put it. So I am zero or fucking a hundred. Mm-hmm. I um I have so much passion and I do think I'm naturally like very spiritual. And I think that in the context that I was in, spiritual yeah. just meant church. And this church organization, this theology, this teaching and like this, whatever, mm-hmm. was checking those boxes for me and making and giving me a sense of purpose, a sense of identity, like um, tools, like wisdom, a teaching. I'm a Taurus son and Tauruses it's Taurus is an earth sign and it's also very like thrives in structure mm-hmm. and needs not not need but thrives in um like being grounded because we're earth yeah in something in a principle in a like a a purpose a teaching like a something you know a right. cause our, our asses you know so <laughs> <clears throat> that and then Tauruses are also extremely loyal, like yes. to the good extent and, and to the bad extent. Right. Blind loyalty. Yeah, that's a, that's so, a right there. It's like my family, but it's also my God, just my goddamn personality too. Because <laughs> <laughs> Tauruses are also hella naive. Goodness, that is that is a horrible cocktail mix right there. A horrible. Damn, you had no choice but to be <laughs> at this point. I'm, I'm sorry, I was primed. I was primed and yeah. ready. So, while we're on this subject, the show Shiny Happy People is about um, the people from 16 and counting, the Duggar family, and they eventually went all the way up to 19 and counting and had all types of spinoffs um, on TLC. And to me, they were just presented as being like this unconventional family. But come to find out, they were a part of a church. <laughs> I'm not saying that. A cult called the Institute of Basic Life Principles. And within this situation, um, they figured that being on TV would help them to like get more members, which is all a part of what we didn't understand or know at the time. But that was their backstory of what they were trying to do so and it's so funny i'm sorry i'm sorry oh no you're fine what's funny it's so funny because my aunt who is a jehovah's witness another cult um <laughs> I, I remember at one point her being like yeah courting like the duggars and like you see how they raise their children to be like this and like that and it's so like this and like that 
Yes, because it, it to the naked eye, it's like, oh, they have all these children, but they work together. Like they they love each other. They're always happy. They're just you know humble and grateful for what they have. And like, my question always was, how can someone live like that in this day and age? Because they didn't watch TV. <laughs> like you know, I think I can't remember the year that they, their show came out, but I was in junior high, high school. So I'm like. How can these children live without internet or without TV? Like, it didn't make sense. And now watching this show, it all makes sense. They were all bred to live that way. It wasn't their choice. It wasn't like they were happy and humble for no reason. They were beaten into submission to be this way. And that's the part that we didn't see. So for me, that was like, one of the biggest parts of the show that blew my mind is that they do mm-hmm. this thing called blanket training. And yeah. it's for the people who haven't watched it, basically what it is is you put a baby on a blanket and when they try to come to you and like show you love, you beat them, like you pop them. And eventually it teaches them to just sit still and be submissive And the whole time you're basically tricking them because you're saying like, come here, baby, come to mama. And then when they start coming, you start hitting them. That blew my mind that they It's child abuse. Yes. That is child abuse. But at the same time, that is what we do in our culture. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's, it's just like so relevant for me as a person who grew up getting their ass beat. Um, <laughs> on behalf of me once <laughs> my bad it's like it's, it's literally it's like um, this is why there's never a thought of like oh this is wrong because it's literally life it is yes. the way that shit has always been it just it, it just is like it's it sucks and so mm-hmm. it's like Literally, now at this point in my life, the the most productive thing that I can do is to value myself and to love myself because I was literally, like, had my ass beat. Right. This is child abuse. Like. All the way child abuse. (laughs) It is child abuse. And it's patterned off of slavery. Which is disgusting. Right. So and it's like it's still to this day is especially in the black community, it's like you think you're bougie or better than somebody if you want a gentle parent and you don't want to <laughs> to whoop your children. So I've had that conversation with family of like if we have children, that's not something we're doing. Because mm-hmm. that child can't defend themselves. It's not a fair fight for you to just be hitting on them. And what does that actually teach them? Like, you're not teaching them what they need to know. And for you to think that a one or a two-year-old innately knows that that power socket is going to kill them, then you're crazy. Like, don't them. Just keep them away from them. Like, maybe it's crazy to me. So I've had family tell me, like, well, then I'm not watching your children because Mm -hmm. that's the way I'm going to discipline. And it's like, well, then that's fine. You don't have to. Yes. No, definitely. It's it's unheard of. It's like the thought of it is. I tell people this all the time up in Massachusetts where I am. 
I'm like, there were certain concepts that were foreign concepts. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even a thing, you know? Right. But um, that, again, it, it's so close to home because I'm actively parenting. And it's like um, a little bit easier because I'm isolated from my family. Yeah. But, but they got a lot to say about the fact that I quote-unquote, give my daughter too many flowers, so many flowers that when she goes out in the world, she's not going to know how to handle being out in the world. <laughs> no. Because, because the idea is like, I'm going to beat your ass because the world is tough <clears throat> and I need to get you ready for this hard-ass yes. world. And let me tell you, I tell people that all the time as parents, like, why would you do what you know the world is already going to do to your child? Why exactly. not be their safe space and be that loving place? Like, where do they get the respite if you're whooping their ass and then they turn around and have life whoop their ass? They just always get their ass whooped. Exactly. Like, you, someone needs to be the, the refuge. Someone needs to be the respite for them and be mm. that peace and that love. So that whole yes. tough love thing or I'm going to beat you because the world's going to beat you. The world's not going to literally or this, Or I'm doing this because I love you. I love you. I literally have, like, therapy sessions with um, the women at the rehab that I work at. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, I have to tell them all the time that because most of them are codependent. And I happen to be, as well, recovering, <laughs> recovering codependent. <laughs> and and I'm like, for my story, a huge part of the reason why I am a people pleaser and why I seek validation, I'm desperate for validation outside of myself and excuse toxic behaviors and don't love myself is because at a very young age, I got the message that love and pain go together. And I didn't know that they didn't really until a couple of years ago when I was reading All About Love by Bell Hooks. And she said, love and abuse cannot coexist. And I was like, it was just, it was so liberating. It was so liberating. That's crazy. And it triggers some people. Yeah. And I get it. I get it. Right. Like, some people cannot accept that because they're like, my dad, my my brother. He's like, if, if if I didn't have those ass whippings, I would be dead or in jail. Uh, you're so you're the sensitive one, you know. Like, you act like you right. know you over there going to therapy and shit. <laughs> and I'm like, Picking your life or whatever. <laughs> right. And right. And I'm like, just because you don't go to a therapist, don't mean you ain't fucked up period and because you don't go to a therapist you are fucked up go to therapy people i yell this shit every other fucking episode i hope all y'all start listening go to fucking therapy right how can it be 2023 and you not be in therapy okay pause let me tell the listeners for two seconds i went to therapy last week trash it was absolute trash (laughs) so I want y'all to know that you don't have to stay with the people that you're with. Like, just go to fucking therapy. If that person is yes. okay, find another one. You will find your person, but you have to go to therapy. Don't go one time and it be trash and you be like, see, that's what I was talking about. I said this shit don't work. Like, no, it was just that person. It had nothing to do 
with therapy as a whole. With therapy, you need to find right. your person. Don't yes. don't believe the hype. So go to fucking therapy. <laughs> go to therapy. Invest in yourself. Yes. Oh my goodness! I just had to let pe- let the people know. Good. Good. Yeah. I'm. Yes. I am at, on a current mission to make therapy sexy as well. Oh, for black people, for black people. Yeah, specifically. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What would the world look like if black people went to therapy? Like on a level of like 75 to 85 percent of black people attend therapy, if not regularly, at least like once a year. Well, it would drastically improve the dating pool. I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Me and Celeste tell people all the time. We're like, my God. We're like, we don't even know why we dated the people we dated. We just didn't have a lot to pick from. (laughs) Period. Thank you for saying it out loud. I feel like the people that I dated feel like they have this like badge of honor. And I'm like, no, you were just like one of the five people I could choose from. What do you mean? Like, (laughs) I know. But but now, even that's a self-limiting belief that I realized that I had, even though I'm not in Mandeville anymore. And I don't know if this would work if I was. But I just woke up to the fact that that's not, these are not my only choices. Right. Like, oh. Hmm. Just, just, oh. Liberating. Oh. (laughs) I think I can choose other people. That's great. (laughs) But still, if, if black people, if black men went to therapy, we might be able to like start leaving behind some generational wealth and having some healthy marriages and yes. more like an increase in all these things you know yes. like not saying they don't exist already, right but yes like oh i want that for us mm-hmm. and i feel like if anybody needs it it is us because of the shit that we go through on a daily freaking basis like yes but at the same time, there is a shortage of therapists in general, and especially Black therapists. So, yeah, if y'all are looking for one, Black, um, what is it called? Let me get it right. Therapyforblackgirls.com. Mm-hmm, 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 and mm-hmm. it's not just Black girls. Men can go there, too. It's just a website that's going to bring up all Black therapists. Yes. And also... Your girl, Chastity, is a spiritual therapist, spiritual okay. advisor slash therapist, yes, and I am. am booking and do all kinds of, it's like an interfaith spirituality, but one of the tools that I have at my disposal is divination through tarot and oracle cards. Oh. Yeah. We need to talk. We need to talk more. <laughs> Because I right now am on what I keep calling my feminine divine journey. Yes, yes. And I wanna, I want the soft life. I don't want to feel hard anymore. I don't, and it's it's clearly from my past relationships, and I feel like that's not fair in my present relationship to continue to carry that or to be that way. And I just want to mellow out. Yes. Yeah. Like actually enjoy 
life. Yes. Which is something our ancestors did not have the privilege to even do. Right. And yes. make which makes and, it literal justice and, and yes. reparations. Ugh. And they don't have to come through money. They can come through just being able to live and breathe and mm-hmm. enjoy moments and experience mm. things that were above their wildest dreams. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes, that is definitely, we're going to have to um, keep in touch on that tip. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. One thing I thought about was that um, I wanted to give people the signs of being indoctrinated so that Mm -hmm. they can know the warning signs for themselves, but also maybe see them within family members or friends that may be going through something like that. So we're going to start going over the signs of being indoctrinated and some of the things that I have. So this wasn't a list that I found. It's based off of my knowledge of watching way too many freaking cult documentaries. Um, Actually, I Googled cult documentaries like a couple weeks ago. And... (laughs) The first, like, 25 to 30 shows they had on there, I watched all of them. And I'm like, I, I, I may slightly have a problem. And Jeremy, like, when I watch these things, he's like, what are you doing? Like, why are you watching that? It's really, it's really what I watch when I'm doing work, which is sad. But, like, I'll put those documentaries on and I can get through my work so quick. I'm yeah. just I'm infatuated. So oh god. I um it's this is just patterns that I've seen over watching all of them, but I yeah. also that's why I have you here is because I wanted to know you know your experience with some of these things and yeah. things that you want to add to it. So my okay. first thing that I've noticed is that people should be freaking careful so everybody thinks like this can't happen to me or I would never be a part of that like the way that it happens when it's successful it happens so slowly and so naturally that you don't realize it's happening it's not like somebody comes to you with this bizarre way of proposal yeah they don't do that and then they're like okay come join my cult like it doesn't work like that (laughs) (laughs) it's very i wish right it's a very slow thing and it's called indoctrination like it's a slow process so it's um it looks a lot like grooming um yeah with assaults so or stockholm syndrome yes so the reason I say to be careful is because most of the time, the people that are most susceptible to this are those that are going through traumatic events um, and people that are just searching to to find better meaning, to find meaning within their life. Um, those are the people yeah. that most of the time get caught up in these situations. And so that's like people that are homeless, people that are recently divorced, people that have just lost their parents, people that are in going college. Through- Yes, especially the college age, because you're trying to figure out how to be an adult. What do you truly believe in? Uh Um, What's your purpose in life? So around those Uh times and those things, that's when you're most susceptible to fall into these patterns with these people and to be susceptible for them to indoctrinate you because you're you're vulnerable. Even airports, I saw on one thing. What? 
any place where people are are not really paying attention to what the fuck they're doing. Real. <laughs> or, or any place any place that's gonna have a lot of people in transition. Hmm. And that's that's a great word to use. If you're in any type of transitional period, you're definitely susceptible. And mm-hmm. at the time that I was going, I was in junior high. So I was like eighth grade, ninth grade. Um, by 10th grade, I definitely wasn't going. But around those years, it's just like, you're trying to figure yourself out. There's self-identity going on. Um, my cousins were going to this church and the guy that I liked and eventually became my boyfriend was at this church. So it was a way for us to see each other without seeing each other. You know what I mean? Because my mom <laughs> my and daddy were not for the dating shit. So I was like, oh, I'm going to church. And of course, they're going to let me go to church. But I'm in the car in the van on a 20 minute ride to church with my boyfriend holding hands. You know what I'm saying? I got it in how I could. So. Oh, God. <laughs> the whole time I was going because everybody else was going. It was like this big deal. But I was going through that transition of just figuring out what I want about like what I believe about church. Um, So yeah, going through those transitions definitely make you susceptible. Um, And one of the first things that may happen in the process, what do you feel like it is chastity? Like what was one of the first things for you that made you feel like, Oh, this is where I need to be. This is. Well, I would definitely say that, it was a very it it some kind of way it like provoked my emotions and I feel like um I I literally did an episode on the stages and I can't I can't think of it right now but the thing that's coming to my mind is just like um them presenting this message that I've heard so many times before in a way that actually made moved me and made mm-hmm. me emotion have an emotional response okay and as a person that is makes decisions with emotions i'm feeling <laughs> like this is you know like a good like evidence evidence that this is the truth right right so um but to abuse people coming from that perspective is literally emotional abuse in that Mm. aspect like to exploit people's emotions basically yeah their pain their yeah that is you're right yeah it's definitely one of the forms of abuse Yes. And religious trauma and cults. So basically they push you to they to they push your boundary, they push your limits until they find where your limit is and then they kind of stay there for a minute and they continue to push you until mm. you're all the way in. So they'll change right. your thoughts and your feelings and the way that you process things and 
that for me is where they couldn't get me. (laughs) (laughs) They would tell me stuff. And I, like I said before, I would question it. Like I can't just change the way I think about. So one of the big things for me, I mean, this Mm -hmm. is my podcast and I do keep it real with y'all. They told me I couldn't masturbate. And I was telling this to them. I was like, <laughs> they told me I couldn't be by me. And I was like, nah, I won't go get no more. <laughs> <laughs> Not even to see my boyfriend. <laughs> right? Because ain't nobody got time for that. Like, what? But it was very drastic the way they said it because it was um, this overnight camp that we went to over the weekend. And mm. it's like this you lock your phones up, you're secluded, you're just at this church and you're on their grounds and they have like this, um, I don't know if it was the actual school at the time. Now I know it's a preschool, but it it was just like a building with a bunch of bunk beds in it. Oh yeah, they they bought that land and they made it into a encounter center. Like a- Yes. Oh my God. Oh my God. This was a real place. <laughs> so I went Ew. to I went to Encounter is what they call it. And you spend a weekend like secluded from the world. So you don't talk to anybody. Um and the first night is when they were like, We want you to take this piece of paper and we want you to write down all your sins. And they had a slideshow of like bullet points of all the sins that you may have committed. And you posted it onto, um, when you were done, you folded it up and you took a tack and you posted onto the cross. There was like this wooden cross. And then at the end of the night, they took it and put it in like a big barrel and burned it and was like, you're free of these sins. And one of those things was masturbation. Oh. And I sat there and I prayed to God like, hey, my boy, <laughs> we have an understanding <laughs> That ain't nobody touching me. I ain't touching nobody, but I'm going to touch myself. And I had already talked to my grandfather about it. So it was like, I'm good on my NG. Like, I'm going to do what I got to do for me. (laughs) (laughs) My God said, my Baptist church God said, I'm straight. So that was the first thing that was like a no-go. Then the next day, they um, were like, yeah, you're not of God unless you can speak in tongues. So what they do is they bring up like 20 people at a time and they have 20 church members that buddy up with you and they stand way too close in your personal space. They're like pushed up against you and their head is resting like on your shoulder. So you're face to face, but their head is on your shoulder and it's right by your ear. And this really loud music is playing music, and they make you put your hands in the air and you just like start worshiping God and then boom, all of a sudden you're just supposed to start speaking in tongues. And it wasn't happening for me. Like I wasn't, I was not about to fake it and it wasn't happening. Whoever I had with me was like, you can do it. You got this. I know they made it, they made it seem like it was so easy to do. Easy to do. Yes. And in black churches, it was like, (laughs) It was rare. Like, if somebody caught the whole and started speaking in tongues, like... Yes. Yes, it was rare. It wasn't at the whole damn congregation. 
at the yes. same time. And we're not doing it in a workshop where 20 people at a time are doing it. <laughs> and then afterwards, you go sit in the risers and wait and watch everybody else learn how to speak in tongues. Like, what the fuck? So at the oh, time, God. I'm questioning it, right? But I go through it. And then we leave. I go home. It's Sunday. I go to church. After church, I'm talking to my grandfather. And I'm like, yeah, Papa, like, I'm having a hard time speaking in these tongues. And he was like, what? And so I told him what was (laughs) happening. And he was like, you're not allowed to go back there. Like, that is not okay. That is not how that works. Like, I will show you the verses, like, in the Bible that show where when this happens to people, like, it's miraculous. Like, it's not mm-hmm. something that So the, that's pretty much their, their first, your first encounter with the cult was going to encounter. And you spend this weekend as a child or an adult learning about God and how to be the best Christian out there and you're going to be better than every Christian that there is out there because you're doing it the hardest way you're doing it the right way and so yeah that wasn't for me but if you make it past that stage what starts to happen that I've noticed from other people and from the stuff that I was watching um is that small things start to change so like your appearance like your hair or your clothes or your name um right they start to take your identity away from you. Mm-hmm. And when they're taking it away, it's in the name of what you're doing. So it sounds good. It sounds right. It sounds like, oh, I'm a new person. I have this new purpose. Why not change my name? Or, <laughs> you know, I want to be a part of this group and I don't want to look like I'm being uh, a huzzy or like I'm out here trying to get them in in the congregation so I'm going to start wearing the clothes that they tell me are appropriate for a woman which well, is something- also, not only do you want to belong but they make you so ashamed of your past that mm-hmm. you actually want for me it was I was pursuing I was doing self-development <laughs> yeah in my extreme way as an extremist you know (laughs) so as a fundamentalist as a fundamentalist and that's that's what I liked what they talked about in the show they in the the documentary they shed a lot of light on what fundamentalism was how they Mm -hmm. interpret what their theology is whatever and I went to theology school so this literally is my jam but um they they don't just want to belong to the group they want for me it was an ideal it was the thing that i was like looking for as far as something to put all my passion towards mm-hmm. this ideal and ground myself into because i do well in structure and like black and white clear thinking <laughs> yeah um that i was really trying to become closer to god and develop myself uh, you know and so when they're like oh we're gonna do 5 a.m prayer i'm like i why wouldn't i do 5 a.m prayer like right if this if this if i'm training to be this spiritual warrior of course the spiritual warrior is gonna get up at 5 (laughs) a.m to pray for however long for like months at a time 
months at a time. So it's like that's the th- that's the other thing that just I think gets exploited is like just people believing in ideals and like right. yeah like you would you will you would want to think that if I am a quote unquote good person or if I am blah 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 I'm gonna go to heaven because mm-hmm. A plus B one plus one equals two right you know but this is not life is not that fucking elementary like <laughs> at all. That fucking all. <laughs> so yeah, my last one was um seclusion. So distancing mm-hmm. people from their friends, from their family, because those people can threaten the process of indoctrination because they're they're going to question things. And the cult doesn't want you to question things. They want to keep you on the straight and narrow of what they want you to believe. So they start to seclude you. So they um, make you think it's normal. Right. That the only people that are good people are the people that are around you here. And Mm -hmm. so you start to take people out. So my question was for you is what did that look like for you? Like, did you lose friends? Did you let people go? Were you talking to your family? Um, I let a lot of people go, and a lot of people let me go because I was ridiculous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I let a lot of people go, girl. I, I let a lot of people not. go. I let a lot of people go. My family knew I was in a cult, and they prayed for me every night. My mom told me later. Later, I found out they, my parents, prayed for me every night. Oh. Um, and so I, I mean, I was in college too. Like the first two semesters of college, I was doing nothing but drinking and being introduced to recreational drugs, which is fine. I'm very pro recreation, right? (laughs) So, um, but I'm just saying like, we weren't think we weren't really thinking about God and how to be closer to God during those times. So when I joined the fucking cult church, which was like my sophomore year of college, mm-hmm. was it? it was right after my sophomore year. So I guess maybe junior. I was about to be, I, I can't, I think I was going to be a junior, whatever. I, I lost a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. A lot of friends. I'm now. Oh, this is why. I, this is all of this. I've repressed so much. I am kind of. I'm embarrassed and ashamed, kind of. That, about what? Of the, about the ways that I presented myself and made a fool out of my fucking self. Um, just in terms of like how I was engaging with my faith like there's mm-hmm. some people who engage with their faith and it's like they have faith but then there's some people who are extreme yeah like my ass and <laughs> it's embarrassing i've had i've literally had to apologize to people who i've hurt for making them feel like the only reason why i ever wanted to hang out with them was because i wanted to bring them to church oh wow yeah like, I kind of 
not in a significant way, but in a way built this cult. I brought so many people to church. I was like one of their top evangelists, bitch. Wow. Would you call yourself a recruiter? Yeah, I was a recruiter. And I was good at it because I I'm, I was just like, I'm good at every, I'm good at the things I'm passionate about because I Ooh. have a lot of passion. <laughs> yes, and that loyalty. And I'm loyal to the ideal. And that's the thing too, is like, I was loyal to the church, okay. But I was more than the church loyal to this ideal that they were selling. Yeah. But... In my podcast series that I did on my cult experience called Memoirs of a Cult Survivor, I I keep like saying over and over again, like, we're talking about a cult. I'm talking about a cult, mm-hmm. right? But this, everything that we're saying can easily be um, said for an abusive relationship. Yep. And that's what being in a cult is, though. Being in an abusive relationship with an organization. Period. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. hmm So I feel like the one thing that has been like a, a theme in a lot of these shows that I've watched is people that have gotten out and how they've gone back to their families. And I feel like it's that the families that were just there that would just accept the letters when they could get them or if they got a phone call, like they answered and they were just like, we're just here. We love you. Like those mm-hmm. families are the ones that got their loved ones back. But the ones mm-hmm. who truly tried to fight and like go to the grounds of wherever those people were or go to the cops or those people that physically fought back in those ways most Mm -hmm. of them didn't get their their children back so I feel like what was what was your experience with that like did your parents ever just come out and say like bitch you in the call what the fuck's you doing or were they Um, like we love you we support you like we're here for you okay well first of all my parents have never supported anything I've ever done in my life Okay, well, we can start there. That so, is the no, they weren't like, um, you, th- that's another thing that I'm hearing from, is like the lack of support mm-hmm. in my, from my quote-unquote support system. But yeah. um, no, they were not like, we're here for you, we support you. Um, but, the re- but that, Tiffany, exactly what I just said, the lack of support, um, and the lack of being valued and feeling um, wanted and loved, like, you know, supported yeah. is the reason why I was in the cult in the first place. <laughs> Real. Does that make sense? Yeah, because it gives you that sense of belonging, that sense of support that you needed. And everybody needs a support system. As much as people like to say, like, I can do everything by myself. I'm good on my own. Like, Everybody needs support. Yeah. I I think um, my family, they, I guess, I guess I would say, like, I maybe, I don't know. 
I would say that they tried to support me in the best way that they could. Like I'm thinking of my, my siblings now. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, they did call me out on my bullshit sometimes and be like, bitch. <laughs> my sister would be like, bitch, we listening to the radio. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a fuck about what you're talking about. And, um, <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. But it's like, I was just, people, it's like being in an abusive relationship or, you know, it's like, you can try to tell somebody that they're in an abusive relationship, but if that person is not ready to stop lying to themselves and to give up on whatever it is that they have attached themselves to so hard and invested so much emotional energy into, then Mm -hmm. they are not going to see it. It's just like addiction too, because I work with people in addiction. Yeah. You can tell people to you blue in the fucking face and show them the statistics and the life, their life, you know, everything. Right. And until they wake up to the fact that I need to change by any means necessary, they they won't, they won't. There's nothing. So I'm thinking almost kind of like the third eye chakra. (laughs) Right. And like opening the third eye. It's like you have to it's you have to unplug from the matrix you have to choose to do that you have to choose the pill right nobody else can make you do that so it's super it's super painful because when i left my cult i had to start deconstructing my faith like that's that's what i love that they talked about at the end of this documentary Yes, is that was the, the, the last part of what I was going to talk about, too. So before Chastity finishes to let y'all know, like the deconstruction process is going back and um, basically using facts to debunk <laughs> your belief system. So, and, and I literally went to theology school to do that. That's crazy. Yes. So you start yes. to go back in and take everything that they taught you and you really put it to the test to see if it is true or not. And then you you live in the new reality that you have. Right. So, I wouldn't um, say debunk. I'm dead. Right? Like, because for, <laughs> it is a debunction in a way, like, for some of them. So, like, um... I can't think of which one it was, but they believed like that if you, I can't think specifically right now, but it was something as simple as like, if you take pictures, your soul is now gone, you know, like Uh stuff like that. Like sometimes you can debunk things that are just wildly crazy or like, (laughs) um, you know, like even with Amish people, like if you go out into the English world, like X, Y, and Z is going to happen to you. So when they go out and find out that that's not the truth, then mm-hmm. that's part of their deconstruction. And they, yeah. that's, that's when they, they start to question things. And yes, that's, that's the part that, that the cult doesn't like. That's exactly what I was going to say is that to me, deconstruction is more like um, re-evaluating everything you've ever fucking believed and asking yourself, do I believe this? Do I, do I believe this because I was told this? Or do I believe this because I believe this? Right. Do I believe this? And this fits in my life. 
Exactly. And so one of the reasons why I went to um, liberation, I mean, theology school is because while I was working in Seattle as a missionary, I was introduced to black liberation theology and womanist theology. And it gave, it empowered me, it empowered me to give myself permission to construct, reconstruct, because I was deconstructing. Mm -hmm. But then after you deconstruct, you have to reconstruct. You can't just be out here with no (laughs) No system, no foundation, right. Yes. And that's, um, so they gave me permission to rebuild, to give myself Mm -hmm. permission to to build a foundation, a new, a construction that is life-giving to me. And the reason why deconstructing is like probably the fucking one of the hardest things to do because it's like unbrainwashing yourself. Yes. Um, is because your entire floor, your entire foundation gets crumbles. Everything mm-hmm. that you have a stake in mm-hmm. is gone or like at risk and that's why a lot of people don't want to do it too that's some people would rather just stay drinking the fucking kool-aid than question things because if they question things they they might have to question every goddamn thing right (laughs) and then depending on how deep you are you've secluded yourself so much to where if you leave you're truly alone like you're yes you're out here in a world that you don't understand by yourself with no one Right. And in the case of my cult, because, you know, I brought so many people there. One of the people I brought was my ex-boyfriend and he married into the main family. And so he's there for life. He is in the cult for the rest of his life, as long as he wants to be in his children's life. Damn. And he has to, and that's the other thing that was super harmful for me in that is the reason why I speak out about the danger of of being in cults is that it's so destructive to the human soul to have to wear, to pretend to be something that they're not. And that's why it's unsustainable. Mega churches, evangelical mega churches have the, I learned the statistics in reality school. They have the highest rate of incoming members and also the highest rate of exiting members. But it's okay. They're so big because they have so many people coming in. Right. They have more people coming in than they have going out. So um, it's just like it's a machine. Right. It's it's a monster. It's like this. And that's why in this, anyway, so in this circumstance, like Harvest, you would think that this shit is normal because all these people are doing it. Right, but then he, I, after a minute, I was wondering what's wrong with me. Like, why? Yes. Why can't I speak in tongues? Why don't I? Believe, right. I don't. I want to do Bible study every day, right? One day a week, like. Right. Yeah, yes. I had that moment of of wondering if I was a good enough Christian, and like, I come from a family of pastors. My grandfather, my great grandfather. So I'm like, why am I not a good enough Christian to care this much about church mm-hmm. or to love it the way they do? Or every time I hear a sermon, I cry, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, you start mm-hmm. to question things. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And in the case of my ex-boyfriend, he, he's a Trump supporter. 
a black man. He, like, all yeah. these things, right, he, that he has to pretend in order to be in this group. And it's right. like, in his situation, he's going to keep taking that pill that keeps him plugged in the matrix because it serves him right now. And it doesn't make any sense for him to ruin his whole thing. If he wants to keep his family intact, he's going to stay asleep. That is he awesome. can never wake up to the fact that he is a black man right. that knows how to critical think and that Jesus was not white. And, you know, like everything. Yeah. Like all this shit, all this bullshit. That's crazy. <laughs> that is insane. But something you said that stuck out to me was being something that you're not. And I feel like that's what happened with the sisters in this um, show that they had to me it is crazy to know that these sisters took on all this so they were sexually assaulted by their brother had to hide that that happened because of course that doesn't look good for the cult and like for the show so we can't talk about that and you're also they were shamed for it it was like you should just not say anything but at the same time all these spinoff shows that happened to keep the show alive when the story eventually came out to the public mm-hmm. they didn't get a dime they didn't get any money from it and they were tricked into signing a five-year contract to me and that's, that's just like yeah what so they they definitely had to be something that they were not. They had to go on national TV and say, oh, my brother is like, he's not a rapist or anything. Like, we love him. We and forgive him because we're yeah. good Christian girls. Oh, my. I just can't imagine the willpower that had to take to get up there and say and do that. They probably fucking believed it, Tiffany. I'm not even playing. We, we deceive ourselves. We lie to ourselves. Golly. People in general to to a large degree, but especially in this context. I had to take a big gulp of my champagne on that one. (laughs) This is something I literally just got enlightened about in my own life, about my own life. Hmm. I'm lying. I just, just want to believe the fucking fairy tale is so hard. I will lie to myself. And this plays out in relationships, mine. And, you know, like, this is, it's in so many areas of my life. Like, whatever the core of how this happened, how it became this way. Yeah. It manifests in basically every area of my life. And that's why deconstruction is so important. Goodness. Yeah. So how long have you been out and like on this journey of the and reconstruction? Um, I left that church in 2015. Okay. I was there from 2012, 11 or 12 to 2015. And when I met, when we started working together at uh, the place. Yeah. Um, I had left that church, but I was at another church with a very similar theology, but they just weren't as pushy. It was it was Church of the King. Okay. So but I so I was still into my I was still a Jesus freak, still into my whatever, but 
I wasn't at that church anymore. And I didn't even want to really think about that church because so much traumatic things happened there. Um, But so I left in 2015. And then I went, I um, was going to these mission trips to Cambodia while I was in college through the United Methodist Church. Yes. And I felt like, oh, this is my purpose. This is what the Lord is calling me to do, serve as a missionary. So I'm going to apply to be a missionary for two years, right? So I did that. And they're like, okay, you're going to Seattle to be a community organizer for an interfaith-based nonprofit advocacy organization. Sounds fancy. I was like, what? I was trying to pray for people. Y'all want me to like work on laws and things? So anyway, while I was there, I arrived to Seattle like, the Lord sent me here to save these sinners. (laughs) To the fucking black ass revolutionary. Like that, that is where it all went down. That is where my foundation crumbled. Seattle, I love Seattle to this day. Shout out to the West Coast, which is the best coast. And um, yeah, the the environment was so like liberation. Like, yeah, I came to Boston to study liberation, but I lived liberation in Seattle. And so for the first time, I'm like, go to see Angela Davis live. Mm -hmm. I'm like, reading Bell Hooks for the first time. I'm reading Alice Walker for the first time. Literally, people were like, you've never read this shit? And I'm like, I don't know what it is in Louisiana. We have Wi-Fi, we have internet, everything. We just don't learn this shit. Like, right. I, I still don't know what you're talking about, Bell but Hooks I'm going to look it up when I get off Dead ass, girl. Oh, my God. I feel oh. like I had an advantage of traveling the world as a young kid so I don't have the same ideals as a lot of people around here because I have an international worldview of like principles and thoughts and processes so I feel mm. like that's the only reason that I have an open mind the way that I do but yeah mm. these books and these things that you're talking about definitely researching them and I advise everybody <laughs> else that's listening to do the same <laughs> when you yes. know better you do better I mean, nobody do better. It was like a whole new world, girl. And also, this is this is so funny. This is literally my story of my deconstruction. Um, I'm a candidate for ordination with the United Methodist Church, and they're always like, "Tell us your call story," and I literally tell them this: my story of deconstruction, because this is my call story. <laughs> so, um, I'm going. I'm a conservative black woman from Louisiana, from Mandeville, Louisiana. Okay um fundamentalist cult church member okay so then i go to seattle around the same time black people are getting shot by the police like every fucking day okay Mm -hmm. and at the same time donald trump is running for president (laughs) beautiful time of the united states of america of these great americas you hear me Yes, I had doing so, girl, it was literally like the start of the line so well to highlight the bullshit that I was perpetuating 
mm-hmm. and assimilating to be a part of and um like literally like this is why I cut my hair everything this is like I was like no 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 <laughs> um so it was like that kind of moment like me having this real and intimate realization as a first and foremost a black person yeah and then second and foremost a black woman even though I have some friends that would do that reverse <laughs> and um and then the third title a Christian black woman and I'm in the mission field right right and I'm learning about how missionary has mission work has been used to literally commit genocide everywhere what and yes yes I know so it was like when I started like all these things where I was I was just like reflecting on all these things at the same time and thinking like learning about the, the white savior complex and how I was actually had that complex as a fucking United States missionary going to these pr- countries in um, Asia talking about we're bringing you the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the fact you said it like that. You Girl! So I'm reflecting on all these things and shout out to the United Methodist Church Global Board of Global Board of General Board of Global Ministries because they put together the training that helped me think critically about this shit. The missionary <laughs> training was like think out of the box. <laughs> right. So I had my first anti-racism training there. So whatever. It was just like once I started realizing that um once I started questioning my church then and got through all that I still had the beliefs then I had to start questioning the beliefs and I thank God for like Seattle and my friends there because I have a friend Gigi who's like she's like me us she's like she's intellectual she likes to think she likes to reflect on shit but in a hey, real soulful Gigi, shout out to you my girl shout out to Gigi in a real um like soulful black woman black girl magic way like we would have girls night sleepovers and we would um smoke some weed and then write all right questions that we want to ask the group and then throw them in a bucket and pick questions and talk about Ooh, yeah! Like that's what we would do for fun, yes. okay? And it was like sisterhood centered. It was like black women lifting up black women. But Gigi, all the time, I would say something like, "Yeah, I'm. I don't really know where I am in my beliefs right now, or where I stand with God right now. But I hope that I get it together soon or one day before I die, because I don't want to go to hell." And she's mm-hmm. like, "You you believe in hell?" And I'm like. Do I believe in hell? Huh? <laughs> Don't make me think about it. Wait a minute. What the fuck? I'm like, shit, do I still believe in hell? Do I? Now I gotta reevaluate. Right. So it was like slow. It's such a slow process because it's literally everything you've ever known. And hell is something that they teach in black Baptist churches. So 
Of course, yes. like my entire life there's been a hell. Right. And that to me is something that I learned from a past guest too, because she went through a period where she was just everything. Like she explored different religions and it wasn't until she did it that I realized that was an option for me as an adult. Mm-hmm. Before then, yes. it was just like, this is what I've been taught. This is what we'll go with. But then I was like, I have a choice of this. Like, I can decide to believe or not believe certain things and to practice however I want to. And that blew my mind. Right. On yeah. Or that I can do this, these things and not be a bad person. Or not right. go to hell. Right. <laughs> yes. This burning Because when I started experimenting with my spirituality, for a long time, the back of my head was like, am I going to go to hell? What is right. All the time. That's like the first <laughs> question you ask. Because <laughs> we got to make sure. Because nobody wants to do that. I don't want to go to hell. It's not. Yes. Well, especially sex. Can we talk about sex now? Um, yes, because we did just bring up that these girls had issues with that. And because of their belief system and authority, they felt like might as well, you know, just let them do let this boy do whatever he does and Right. Right. We're we're just here. Right. It's, yes, this this part is so sad for me in particular. As a Taurus, the most sensual sign in the zodiac. Okay. The so. body the body is everything. The senses are everything in this physical world. Because Earth, we we hear, right? right? So um sex. Now a part of my deconstruction process, of course, was reconstruction. And so while I was in Seattle, I was doing yoga and um, became a yoga teacher. And through that, on my own, like yoga interest, came across ancient Egyptian tantric yoga, the philosophy. Okay. And a lot of people, when they hear tantric, they think of like sex yoga or like orgies or whatever. But tantra, the Kama Sutra, right. Exactly. Tantra is a philosophy a yogic philosophy like just like any other yogic philosophy the eight limbs of yoga the chakra like you know whatever right um bikram whatever like lineage or like school girl of i just watched a documentary on bikram yesterday. yes yes yeah that's sick fuck but anyway i know or osho or whoever right so there's all of these different like um philosophies and ancient egyptian tantric yoga is one of them so i got this book and started like learning about it and like come to find out the oldest evidence of yoga was on the hieroglyphics in egypt and there's evidence that before it was in india like the reason why it was in india is because it was originally in egypt and mm-hmm. um which was like a place like with a lot of trade and that's kind of one of the ways it got to india yeah this is like this is huge like a lot of people wouldn't even want to admit this or like believe this or like that's want crazy. to you know but it is an african spirituality like this 
I knew this when I started practicing yoga mm-hmm. because I started getting in touch with myself and I started getting in touch with my roots, de- 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 deconstruct, right? Right. Um, like taking off the, um, the oppressor's religion and being like, what is my, who, who am I? Like, who am I? Yeah. So long story short, okay, a huge part, tantric yoga, it basically is like, Loving all things equally. That's it. It's as simple as that. Hmm. Loving all things equally. Okay. Okay. So within that, they have all these like philosophies and like um, whatever spiritualities around sex as sacred sexuality or sexuality as sacred. Yeah. And so a lot from this is what I am using to reconstruct my relationship with sex because okay. I grew up in with the purity shit and my name is literally Chastity okay so, <laughs> and then I grew up with Zandra so it's like in, in the south in the south right in this strict yes. oppressive of environment um Very and so environment so when I think about the beauty and the sacredness of sex for both a man and a woman. Um, and not even that, even, even bigger than that, the fact that sex can be a vehicle to God, like to experience the divine. Yes. The fact that that is never... That is hidden from women. Yeah. Or women don't ever get to experience this as like, or, or women don't ever get to feel a certain way in their own body in this sacred act and have a relationship with this sacred energy, which is a feminine energy, Kundalini energy. Then it's like, it's so, that is so sad to me. Yeah. I think <laughs> my friend Char and I were talking about something along those lines one day of like we feel bad for those older women who are just like I don't oh. touch myself or like I don't I don't know anything about my body like it's just here to reproduce. Like that makes me so sad. Like I know. It's a good thing to know your body and know how it works and what it's capable of because I've always felt like sex was definitely a spiritual thing like when it's when it's done right and with the right mm-hmm. person for the right purposes mm-hmm. oh my gosh <laughs> see I've never I have never and that's part of the problem too I've <laughs> never even been with somebody to this day I'm 31 years old and I'm like at a point in my life where I'm trying to head in that direction and like just be with people mm-hmm. that understand what the fuck we're doing yeah um because i've never in my life like i've only studied it i'm only i'm a student of it via <laughs> research i've never experienced it yet <laughs> i think that when it happens you'll definitely know but I feel like it, for me, it only happened with Jeremy and that's why he's my husband. 
Like it is mm-hmm. just a different experience to unlock something with so much meaning and love and power behind it. It mm-hmm. is is mind blowing. I didn't know that was possible because of how I began having sex and mm-hmm. like there wasn't a meaning behind it besides to either fit in or just to meet a need. And mm-hmm. so to have it be something that was had a purpose behind it and a meaning and a feeling, that's just, it's brazy. So I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I feel sorry for myself. <laughs> <laughs> but but I know I, it exists because of the knowledge that I have. You, you feel sorry and I'm excited because... <laughs> It's going to happen. And when it does, you better fucking call me. I want to know every detail of what it felt like. Because, bitch, I'm excited. You can go the other route, but I'm excited. (laughs) That means that there is an opportunity for something like that to happen. And I want that for you. Yeah. Please, Lord. From your lips to the Lord's ears. (laughs) Amen. Because it is definitely a different type of sex to be crying in the middle of that motherfucker. And you like, I don't, I don't right. get this right now. Like, yeah, tears yeah. of joy and happiness. And it's crazy. Like, why are we doing this in the middle of sex? That's crazy. But I, it's definitely uh, a divine thing that happens. So I'm it's excited. It's definitely, I'm okay. I'm excited now too. I am. <laughs> and um, what I was thinking was that um, like, one of the, um, like, in my podcast series that I did, the third episode was on the purity movement, which I call a cult-adjacent theology right. and movement, because it wasn't exactly a church. It was just in all the fucking churches, just, right. like, just like in the documentary, just like IBLP. Yes. So um, one of the, like, long-time effects of this theology, this purity movement, whatever, this idea of like denying your human urges in the most unnatural way is a dysfunctional relationship with sex. Yes. I think it's easy for all of us who grew up with repressed sexualities to have a dysfunctional relationship with sex. But this, this purity movement is, was like, leading the charge on repressing our our sexualities right so right um it's unnatural like if you think about it if you if we think about it from the yogic perspective that we all have sexual energy whether we're having sex or not whether we had sex ever or not Mm -hmm. it to be alive it is a life force we would not be alive if we didn't have sexual energy right and Sexual energy produces passion, love, creativity, all these things that we do as humans. Um, So there's more than one way to express your sexual energy. But it just... I feel like that's how it is with um, exact dancers. Like they're expressing an energy that a lot of people don't know how to express. And so that's Mm -hmm. what makes them uncomfortable, especially as women. With men going, it's like they don't know how to tap into that. So it makes them uncomfortable that someone can. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. My cousin, Celeste um, gets hated on so much because she does pole dancing. She's a fucking beast. 
Yes, like, and to me, people are think it's indecent. Yeah, I feel like it is a freaking art, and it is a beautiful thing to watch. Like to me, I always feel weird watching like pole dancers or strippers because I'm looking at the lines and like the arches, and like I'm looking at it like a like people look at a ballet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, to me, no, it is very sensual and like it's an art. I feel it's like an art. a lot of people don't have art. the confidence in, and a sport. Yes. They just don't have the confidence and the ability to be in touch with themselves like that. So it's, it's yeah. nice to see. And with yeah, the right woman, it'll put you in a trance. Yeah. I didn't realize that it was an actual art form until I saw Money by Cardi B. And I was like, yes, bitch. <laughs> I was like, of course it is. Why wouldn't it be? Right. Look at this shit. <laughs> but but for um, us and for people with like different most religions it's like you can't the you can't tap spirit. into that you can't know about that you, you can't you just have to dismiss that but the crazy yeah. thing is most of the time it's the women that have to dismiss it with the men it's like you're supposed to you're relying on the women to keep you straight, but it's okay that you have these urges, which is what happened in the documentary of like, mm-hmm. all the girls just need to cover up head to toe and not be sluts. And then these men won't, you know, have any urges because you did your part. And right. That's and the men exciting. still have urges. Right. Because that's a natural thing. But at the same time, like, what makes it toxic is that's not just in religion. That's a societal thing too. Like most oh, of the yeah. time with women, it's like, well, what was she wearing? What was she saying? Mm-hmm. And victim shaming instead of realizing that this man just didn't have control of himself. Right. Yeah. It's it's all so... It, this documentary, what I see when I watch this documentary and I see the, the oldest son getting doing what he was doing and the fucking child pornography. This mm-hmm. is a, this is an example of what I'm talking about right now, a dysfunctional relationship with sex. Yeah. And how, how could it not be dysfunctional? If you've had no, if you, if this, if you've had no relationship with this thing, not even this thing, this energy that you have, because we right. all have it. The first time I read a um, Tantra book, a book about Tantra, I immediately made the connection between church abuses and and people that go to church, church leaders and people, especially the ones who are not supposed to be married and not supposed to be having sex. I'm like, right? How, what like it's it's gonna come out in in a gross way exactly. because they don't even have a relationship with this energy. If they don't have a relationship, and then this is also like the tantric philosophy. You, you build a relationship with this energy and then you subdue this energy. That means you discipline this energy. You can't discipline it or direct it or channel it into whatever unless you have a relationship with it. And as a Christian, as a fundamentalist Christian, I had no relationship with my sexual energy. I just knew that bitch, it was a lot. And I <laughs> hated myself. For that. No. I hated myself for that. I hated myself for that. I had so many low, depressing, 
ass days and at one like feeling like oh I have disappointed God again like how many times am I gonna just like disappoint God and meanwhile they're teaching this theology that your vagina is the reason why Jesus was pierced in the side nailed to the cross what the fuck wait time out <laughs> not your vagina but your sexual immorality how but how bitch time the fuck out one plus one is equal to about 75 and i'm gonna need you to roll the sins of the world the sins of the world which the main ones they focused on was homosexuality what they call it back then and sexual immorality fornication fornication oh me oh my well, we are going to I heard I heard a pastor say your fornication put the nail in Jesus' feet. Like <laughs> So let me tell you how this manifests in my sex life. Um how we all Okay. Know. Uh so first of all, I never knew what consent was until i until recently bitch. Recently. Wow. Real recently i never knew i ne- i didn't yeah i didn't know about that i didn't know that like i had that my consent meant anything mm-hmm. um or like the, the actual concept and like you know whatever of like consent because yeah. sex was just had Oh, wow. Okay. And I can understand that. Yeah, I mean, like, we did, I wasn't taught consent, because I wasn't really yeah. taught about sex. Right. So it was just like, as a woman, if you're with this man, then that's what you do. Yeah. If, they, if that's what they want to do, that's what you do. Right. Not to say I didn't have consensual sex, in my life right but a lot of times it was unconsensual and I didn't know how to like have a voice like I didn't have a voice yeah so um that's number one I didn't know what consent was and then I have I put codependency and love addiction which I also have an episode on my podcast about love addiction um, I'm codependent as fuck was. I'm working on it now. There you go. Speaking into existence was. Yes, ma'am. I'm, I, I'm a recovering codependent, as I say. <laughs> recovering love. Hi, addict. my name is Chastity. Hi, Chastity. <laughs> <laughs> I almost don't even want to use the term love addict on the podcast because Every t- a lot of times, people who are, have actual like addictions with substances think like they feel like I'm trying to compare my pattern, my addiction to theirs, and that's that's not what I'm trying to do at all. But it definitely no. is addictive behavior. It definitely is a pattern. Love can be like a drug. Study some shown on what addiction is. Come on now, <laughs> that's crazy. So, um. Yeah, so codependency is when you feel kind of misconception. A lot of people think 
codependency is like when you lean on somebody else too much or you're too clingy or you're just like too involved with the other person that you're dating or mutually mm -hmm. or one-sided whatever what codependent really means is when you don't have a strong sense of self because you yourself was never affirmed when you were young you will accept anything in fact in fact you will do anything to get the love that you feel like you didn't get when you were young mm -hmm. and then when you when you get that love quote unquote which is always toxic because we'll accept anything you will die for it hmm you will do anything to keep this love right because because that's how codependents attach yeah. in an unhealthy way um and so it's like you codependent people have a really bad time with people pleasing and which oprah called the disease and um like not having any boundaries yeah and not have having a low self-esteem and low self-worth and self-value so we excuse toxic behavior to receive the quote-unquote love that we are desperate for oh wow okay that's a good definition <laughs> <laughs> damn so there are some people who are codependent as fault like me and then there's some people that have almost everybody i know has some codependent tendencies yeah you know um and not all like i have some friends who are like did you think everybody's codependent i'm like i, I don't think that like there's a difference between being codependent and being like an unconditional love and that's something that i didn't know when i was married or dating mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> um so so obviously i'm gonna have a dysfunctional relationship with sex in a situation like this because it's like i'm gonna do whatever like i have no what pleases me pleases you right and because i don't even have a sense of self i don't even know what pleases me because i haven't even had like I don't have the sense of self to know what pleases me. Right. I just, I just know that I'm going to be pleased if you're pleased. Yeah, see, I can definitely thank my friends for making sure that sexually I knew exactly what I liked. Because by the time I was 16, I had a vibrator. Like, I was figuring some things out. So I'm glad I had them in my life because my mom definitely was not the type to talk about sex or to like even mention that sex was a thing other than to make children. And right. my siblings definitely weren't going to talk to me about it, even though they were well equipped because they were 20 years older than me. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I just I figured it out on my own, but I'm glad that I had friends that were a little bit older that could help me figure that out. Yeah. Because yeah, otherwise we may have been so in the sad. same boat. We might have been in the same boat. And um, like I said, it's just so sad when I think about the fact that I've never had like 
Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've had some bomb ass sex, like just like for for, for so what it was. Yes, I have had some bomb ass. Let me say it again. I have had some <laughs> bomb ass sex. I you have. Make sure that is nothing. I have. <laughs> I have done it. Somebody has gotten it right. Right. I have had some bomb ass sex. Right, but. The sex that I'm talking about, that I want, that I'm moving towards is, it's not even really sex. It's li- it's literal, like, making love, which isn't, like, yeah, a huge is. thing in, like, Tantra of, like, um, just, like, what does it mean to make love? Like, when two people come together to... <laughs> manifest love into this world mm-hmm. and, and to experience that love too and to experience the love of the, the divine all at the same time like i haven't had that kind of sex yet <laughs> oh, but we're gonna have it one day. <laughs> and i hope that you too my listeners will one day have this type of sex if you have not experienced it <laughs> continue to look for it it is an amazing experience <laughs> that you do not want to leave this earth without having. Right. You're going to get there. You are going to get there. Right. But it, it takes what Chastity is talking about in self-development and know what you like and what you want and what makes you comfortable and mm. what makes you feel whole and like more than just sex. Like you feel like you're this I don't know how to describe it. Like yeah. this higher being, you feel, mm. you feel like you're like you're of God. That's the only way I can. Wow, you it's it's a immortality feeling. Like you just feel something that's whole. Mm. That is so beautiful, and this is really helping me, like, further deconstruct. But um. In Tantra yoga, there's two kinds of ways to have sex. There's a way to have sex like animals, like the beasts. Mm-hmm. And there's a way to have sex like higher beings. Mm-hmm. And so as a being that's never had that kind of sex, hearing you talk about it is helping me like now flesh it out a little it bit like more. That, it definitely isn't a like a hump hump rabbit like beastly type of experience yeah it is a very like slow and out of body type of thing wow. so yeah girl it is it is possible it is it's out there that's what we need to do. listeners it's out there it is it is out there <laughs> and i definitely wish that everyone can experience that in their lifetime it's, it's a safe space. And coming from someone who's been in a lot of unsafe spaces due to the lack of what you're talking about of just education around sex and mm-hmm. what that looks like um, mm-hmm. and always having to hide that you are having it or that you're interested in it. Yes. Um, it leaves a lot of space for abuse and for misinformation and mm-hmm. shame and guilt 
And none of that helps you to feel that divine energy and to feel safe. So to finally be able to express that with somebody and be able to be in a safe space where you feel like your vulnerability won't be taken for granted or it won't be exposed and exploited. That is the space that you have. I feel that I had to be in to experience something like that. That makes so much sense. So it took the emotional, the spiritual, the intellectual peace and safety before I could get to the sexual part of it. Mm-hmm. That makes so much sense. Girl, this is helping me so much. <laughs> I'm serious. I just started dating again and I'm like, I'm questioning everything. And I'm like, what is sex to me? Again, I keep coming back to this. What is right. sex? to me and what do I want it to be Mm -hmm. so anyway yeah this is and you can go through stages of that because I definitely did I mean going from being a kid and having the experiences that I had and then going into college like around that phase where we had met up and I was engaged so I had settled down but like before that when we weren't talking my sexual energy was very what I called masculine, which kind of makes me mad now because I feel like I can still be dominant and be feminine, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's still masculinity in my femininity and I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I express that wholeheartedly, my girl. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I did not give a fuck. Like it is about what I want. I don't give a fuck what you want. Mm-hmm. Like it is about me. Mm-hmm. I I don't want to cuddle. I don't want to do that. You don't deserve that piece of my energy. I wasn't. That's toxic masculinity. (laughs) Shit. For the viewers at home. This is not healthy masculinity. It worked for me in the time to figure out what I wanted and that I, I deserve space and I deserve to know what I wanted. And in those times, that's how I found out. That's what how I found out what I was willing to put up with and what I wasn't, what I liked and didn't like. Um, and I took notes of those and I was able to express them later on. But yeah, like mm-hmm. I took the time to do, to do me. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't worried about yeah. anybody else, but I did it respectfully to where the people I was messing with knew. Like I did, I communicated that like, I'm not looking for anything crazy. Like I'm not looking for a relationship. I I'm just looking for fun right now. So I didn't. I wasn't just out here being toxic. Like they knew what was what was up, and they agreed my, to this. My problem was I was always looking for a relationship. But this is what I meant about the toxic masculinity. Oh part. yeah, not, not about you, not about <laughs> you, but about for my for myself. One of the things that I'm deconstructing is that I used to think that. A masculine man, masculinity meant dominating femininity. Mm-hmm. And yeah. having that kind of like power over and using that power in a dominating, domineering way. Mm-hmm. And I used to think that shit was sexy because I, I, I thought that that was supposed to be sexy. Like I thought, right. And also I was used to it because I was dominated by my mom. Right. But... So I thought this was sexy. And so that has influenced a lot of my dating 
decisions, major life decisions. Wow. And um, I'm that's something that I'm trying to reconstruct now. It's like yeah. masculinity, like whatever the fuck I thought was hot was toxic masculinity. <laughs> now, now I'm trying to think, redefine, and this kind of goes to, back to the documentary too, because the documentary, this organization is patriarchal as fuck. Yeah. Now I'm trying to think of masculinity as soft, as gentle, as mm-hmm. compassionate, caring, like um, intuitive, yeah. sensitive, like that is. You know, you're describing a man to me, like that. A man, yes. That is a man right there. To have those traits, yes. To be able to be everything. And that's what I feel like. Everybody has both energies within them. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they should both be expressed at different times. So I feel like when Mm -hmm. I told you I want to be in my soft air, I want to be in my more feminine divine in my marriage and in my relationships, in certain relationships. But Mm -hmm. I want to keep my more masculine domineering, like, headstrong you can't fuck with me I I need that for my business and so Mm -hmm. I feel like I want to be able to learn all of my energies and be able to switch back and forth into wherever fits best for the situation I'm in instead of just yes being one person all the time and being in the same energy because you don't need all that all the time like when I'm home in the afternoon I don't need to be that businesswoman I don't need to be oh yes hey, where are these documents and why don't I have them on my desk? Why are you losing this? What is happening with this? Like, I don't need to be that person. I can go home and right. just be like, hi, how are things here? How are you feeling? Like, it's it's a different vibe and that's okay. Yes. Right. And that's why I, that's something that I'm still, a situation that I haven't found yet mm-hmm. where I can come home and be soft. Right. Because I'm fucking relaxed and I'm not stressed and I'm well rested and I feel good. And I, you know, (laughs) that's a common theme that I'm hearing because the last episode um, that I have up right now is with a group of women about relationships. And that is a common theme that they talked about that the single people talked about was that they don't have that space to be in both energies right now. They have to be more in one than the other um and yeah. then the space to be that that soft in that soft space so right yeah I, yeah I, I get it and i've always been in that soft space tiffany yes you i've have. always been soft and yes. i was soft when soft wasn't even trendy and that shit was weak <laughs> okay <laughs> i've been soft right so this, now this is true <laughs> Now I'd have been chewed up and spit out by the world, and I'm out here trying to survive and protect my fucking self. Damn. And it's like now I see why black women. I see the world makes us this way. We don't. I don't. I don't want to be. I know, like, to be balanced is good, but like, I don't want to ever have to be in my masculine energy. I don't ever. I don't ever want to be the strong black woman. I'm so sick of that mantra. I tell that to clients all the time when they when they come in and they're like, "I have to be this. I have to do that." And I'm like, 
for the next hour, can you just not play into the narrative of a strong black woman? Can you just tell me your weaknesses? <laughs> like, can right. you just be vulnerable? Be vulnerable, and it's okay. Yeah. And like, I this is your safe space because we're not allowed that a lot. It's just like exactly you have to keep going. You have to make sure everything is okay, and like. And work yourself to death. I get that that served us well and that helped us to stay afloat for a while. I'm not going to discredit that because there was a time that that was truly needed. Right. And that was around the crack era in like, you know, the 90s with black men going to jail, like incarceration rates were even higher than they are now. And there just weren't black men around. So, black women had to stand up and do everything for the community in their house but now we're living in a different time and i feel like we can we can let that go it's okay now we're living in a time where no i'm not saying that's on the podcast (laughs) anyway yes but i feel like we can do different but on that note one of my Mm -hmm. questions i wanted to ask you was what are some things that you feel you're gonna do parenting wise in regards to your experiences yes okay so um I would definitely um categorize my parenting style as cliche as it sounds as gentle parenting slash conscious parenting and um I've got received a lot of flack for this but like I said, it, it hasn't been too, 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 too. It hasn't been too bad because I don't live in with in with around any family members, right? And but, you don't live in the south, so and I don't live in the south, right? So, but one of the most important things that I want my daughter to leave my roof knowing is that. Um, well, just as a human being, as a child, as a as a connection to me, that there's nothing that she can ever do that will make me not love her. Whether mm-hmm. she throws a tantrum, whether she, whatever, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, and that she can be authentic with me and she can express herself. And I might not like the way that she expresses herself. Right. <laughs> but I don't ever want her to think that because she expressed herself, that it's going to threaten her attachment to me. And so I want her to know that she has a voice. Um, I want her to know who she is. I don't even want to define who she is. I just want to affirm who she is so that she has a strong sense of self. And um, like every night when we're brushing our teeth, we, she looks in the mirror and she says, I am powerful. I am kind, I am happy, healthy, and a queen. Yes. Every night. And so I'm like, um, I remember one time, I think she was like six months, I brought her home. And my dad was like, oh, look at the little baby. I feel bad for them because they don't really know like how to be around babies in been so long. But he's like, oh. <laughs> Look at the little baby. Oh, look at her little nappy hair. Her hair's so nappy. I was like, hold up. <laughs> I thought you were on the same page with this shit. Don't be calling my child's hair nappy because it's not done right. She is six months. 
That's crazy. I was like, cause I guess, and this might be like my extreme tendencies or whatever, because I told them they already knew we wasn't going to do the whipping shit. Right. And they talked about, they talked about me like a dog to that. But I'm like, I, this is not a joke. Like I have lifelong problems for self-esteem issues for being called fat and nappy and whatever the fuck y'all was calling us. And so we're not going to keep doing that because we know that this shit isn't, it's harmful. Right. So why would we keep doing that? And so my mom was like, oh, you're giving Lola too many flowers. She's going to have too many flowers. She's not going to know. I'm like, I didn't have any damn flowers. And I didn't know how to handle the world. (laughs) Right. And somebody gave you fake flowers and you were okay with it. And found out later, exactly. these ain't even real. <laughs> they wasn't even giving flowers. They were giving eucalyptus leaves. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> and <laughs> so, so I want to build Lola up so much to the point, because part of my deconstruction process coming out of Mandeville and St. Tammany Parish was was learning to love my blackness and my and my womanness. Mm-hmm. So I want to build Lola up so much that the first time she experiences pain or she experiences a racial slur or whatever it is. Like someone's trying to define who she is. Somebody's trying to tell her she can't do something or that she should do something because she's a black woman or whatever. Mm-hmm. She will know herself so much that she'll just like fucking laugh it off and be like, right. I'm gonna do this shit anyway. Right. Like who what? This isn't nappy. This is fucking curly. Like these are my kinks. So like, you know, my mama had big ass kinks. And I got big ass kinks. And we just right. kinks queens. So like, <laughs> you know? So yes. I'm just like, but just more, more importantly, unapologetically, unapologetic, and also a critical thinker. Yes. Like that that is something that I want to teach her that I want I want her to ask questions. I want her to question authority and that's really hard as a parent mm-hmm. to have a 2-year-old questioning not really questioning your authority but asking questions and like not just blindly obeying shit and right resisting the urge informed by the generational trauma to whoop her ass because she didn't do something the first time I said do it right as a two-year-old that's literally what they that's how they become human beings or learn who they are is testing boundaries you know so yeah I want her to actually live as much of liberation as possible if she chooses to, I'm not going to force her. If she chooses to, right. but I, I just want that to be available for her. Um, if she chooses it and for her to see that there's an alternative way to exist in this world as a black woman. Since I got pregnant, since I got pregnant, I'm like, I am redefining black motherhood. Because I don't want her to grow up thinking that to be a black woman is to be fucking tired all the time. And that's our legacy. And that's it. 
mm-hmm. or whatever it is, you know, welfare queens, whatever yeah. they it is. Everybody else. Yes. Putting everybody else first and not taking care of ourselves. Exactly. Working ourselves to death mm-hmm. and that, and being valued by what we fucking do and how well we do it. I want or what man we're with. That is another thing. Yes. I don't want anyone to feel like they have to that they have to get married or they have to have children or that yes. they're defined by their marital status. Like that's a big thing too. Yes. It's so yeah. So I just want her to know that there are options. We got options out here. And right. <laughs> you don't even have to do the same thing I'm doing. Do your own version, but just do whatever the fuck you want to do. And mm-hmm. I'll do whatever the fuck I want to do. I'll be a Black woman how I want to be a Black woman. And then you do you, and then I am going to respect that. Yep. I love that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so I hope part of conscious parenting is detaching from the the behavior outcome mm-hmm. and I've lamented a lot by not having a support, strong support system and raising my daughter a lot. I've lamented a lot, yeah. but at the same time, it's given me the space to define my own like ideals of what motherhood black motherhood is and can be and looks like and functions like and um the kind the quality of person that it can raise as opposed to how they act or how they they respond when I say let's go they jumping up and coming on I just had a conversation with somebody about that, actually, about how it's very weird to to decide what value children have based on their obedience. Yes. And that that's very crazy to me that you would do such a thing because you're asking these children to do something most of the time that they're not actually trained or taught to do. And then it's the temperament of the child. Like everyone is different. Like some kids are just more obedient and more willing to just do things on a whim because of other things. Like what you were talking about earlier, you just, you have that blind loyalty and it's like (laughs) people have children and decide that this one is bad and this one is good based on their obedience level. And that to me is, is not. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's, It's so sad, and it's like all these fucking hoteps want to talk about um, feminism ruining the black family and the black community, <laughs> and this shit literally. Mm. There's so many reasons for the state of the black community, and it is not feminism. Not right. saying, not saying that feminism isn't used to fuck up the black community and men black men in particular but yeah um i just want for for everyone at home i just want to say that i consider myself a womanist as opposed to a feminist (laughs) and what is the difference (laughs) so feminism 
is a move, a women's empowerment movement that prioritizes gender oppression only, first and foremost, and period after that. Okay. Um, so a lot of the early waves of feminism were racist as fuck because they didn't consider black women human, so they weren't mm-hmm. fighting for their asses. They wanted the same rights as their white male counterparts to own black women. Hmm. Okay. So a lot of people, I understand the hatred, the 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 hating that feminism gets from black people. Yeah, I understand that. Um, because the history is fucked up and it's racist. Like some of the the feminists that we learn about in school, yeah, are racist as fuck. <laughs> so so um, black women come along and then they do their own shit, of course, because um, they're not invited to the white women's shit. Right. And womanism, um, it prioritizes three things. Okay. Um, gender, race, and class. Okay. Gender, race, and class. And the reason why they do this is because black women experience all three of these things and this is what keeps us pigeonholed Mm-hmm. Um, so I should also say here that there are some womanist scholars that suggest that what can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. One of my AirPods back. Um <laughs> womanism has always existed in the spirit of black women, like Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth, like liberation. Black women and liberation, this spirit around that, and the pre yeah. our 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 love affair with liberation has existed to, as long as Black women have existed. Damn. But the word, the term womanism wasn't created and the movement until the 80s. Okay. Yeah. So it's a relatively new concept. Alice Walker, the author of The Color Purple, she invented it or she is the first person to use that term womanism and she defined it in such a poetic and broad way that and that's what appealed me is that i felt like i could be my black weirdo nerdy hippie (laughs) yogi church girl ass and still I'm still in this intersection mm-hmm. like you know I'm I'm this is this it just it aligned with me and feminism is driven by white women and their ideals their yeah. their ideals which is that um the biggest not the biggest but that gender um discrimination is the only damn discrimination meanwhile black women are like we're fucking women and we are discriminated for our race too and class and our class and our gender like we can't catch a fucking break and that's why sojourner truth is known for um her speech ain't i a woman because she's like am i not a fucking woman (laughs) right over here giving birth to babies. And y'all over here, shit. y'all over here saying that 
oh, ladies can't do this. Ladies can't do this. Ladies need a man to help them in a carriage. Meanwhile, I take however many pounds of cotton a day. Ain't I a woman? That's what she's basically saying. Right. And at a women's rights convention, she said this. So anyway, long story short, the, the characteristics of womanism is like, um, the thing that, that appealed to me was that number one, it was open. It was, it's not a cult. It's, there's not some woman, woman <laughs> cult leader like, hey, womanists, this is how we believe. It's, right. it's so open. And you're, I felt very encouraged to play with it and to try it on to like develop my own style with mm-hmm. it. Um, and then also it's community-based. Womanism okay. acknowledges that um, or I should say womanism is a supporter of the black community as a whole. Everybody has a place here. Everyone has, everyone is valid here. Everyone has a role here. We just want to be fucking equals. <laughs> right. Just leave us the fuck alone and let us be like everybody else. Yes. And that's why like feminism is known for like man bashing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And hating men, men man haters, and yeah. whatever. And we women have a lot of good reasons to hate men, but do I don't hate I don't hate them. I especially the black men. Black men I see as my comrades in this liberation struggle. Yes. Period. Whether I marry one or not. <laughs> real. That's yeah. Real. So I'm just like, but they're so threatened. A lot of black men are so threatened by a fucking woman, woman feeling empowered mm-hmm. that they're just, it's just, it's the devil. And it's yeah, ruining the black they, community. They like that authority. It's like God, man, and then woman. So you just, that, uh, that complex is horrible to me that, someone can't take the advice or the leadership of a woman based on what's in between her legs. To me, that is just crazy. Right. I know. I know. Yeah. And yeah. Freaking same. So insane. before we wrap up this part, is there anything mm-hmm. else that you want to say or anything else that you want to comment on about the TV show? Yes. Let me know. Girl, I took so many notes. I don't even think I'm going to have time to say all of them. But <laughs> um, Okay, the question that I had when I was listening to these people, I'm just going to just read a couple things, okay? Okay. The question that I had when I was watching this was, what makes us so emotional and radicalized? Hmm. Because... There was literally a guy in prison who was like, in the show, he was like, I came to prison at this time for these teachings. I'm like, you came to prison for these teachings, nigga? Right. Like, what the fuck? What makes you, it was sensational. It was like, what makes this happen? That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, But I also wrote, there was a point in time in my cult where I knew wholeheartedly that what I was saying and feeling and experiencing and knowing mm-hmm. was 
true. It was the truth. It was the one and most important truth. You know, um, so I thought it was funny how they were talking about the culture war because evangelical churches still do that. They are so afraid of culture. And that's my other question. Yes. Why are they <laughs> so afraid of culture? I think because it, it involves individuality and they can't afford you to have that. Yeah. And for individuality and it's, um, yeah, it's such a threat. It's such a threat. Mm -hmm. Like, but um, I thought about how, like, the at the end, the survivors were saying, like, they started using the word survivors. And I, I talked about them in my podcast, too. I was like, the reason why my this series is called Memoirs of a Cult Survivor is because some people don't survive. Mm -hmm. some people did survive and right. but we survived and so it's like just like any kind of survivor there's a lot of healing that has to take place oh yeah in order to like reintegrate into society after reintegrating back into normal like society if you were ever in normal society to begin with <laughs> real because I, um, when I was doing my, this podcast series, somebody reached out to me through Instagram who was a kid in the youth group of the church that I was at. And he yeah. gave his testimony. And he was basically saying his whole fucking life was in that cult. And I was like, I can't imagine. Me either. But I, I mean, even when I started there, I mean, I was in junior high, you know, so I was only like, 12 13 years old going there yeah so i can i just i i can't imagine growing up into that situation which is what happened with the duggars it's like the the dad was in it and then he convinced the mom to be a part of it and then yeah. from there all these children just that's the only way of well, life they've ever known it. like they didn't yeah. know that anything was wrong or could be different I will say that the scariest part about this documentary was the fact that they are trying to take over the world and that it's still going on. Yes. Like, is this is literally why Roe v. Wade was reversed. Reverse was a part because of them. That's, that's extremely crazy. So that's why I wanted to give people the tips of what to look out for because it is still happening. And I don't want people to just go into things blindly so they can see it for themselves, but also for those people that are noticing that maybe their friends or their family have been speaking this way or talking about this um, mm -hmm. and ways they can kind of try to help them to understand that this ain't healthy. But this at the healthy. same time, knowing that just because you present it to somebody and you say, hey, this is a cult, like, that doesn't mean they're just going to listen to it because... I specifically remember, I don't know who, but I know it happened at least twice that somebody brought it up while I was going to the church. Like, that sounds like a cult. And I mm -hmm. was like, there's no way. Like, first mm -hmm. of all, that wouldn't happen in my area. And that mm -hmm. wouldn't happen to me. 
Like, right. there's no way. So I, I immediately dismissed that and was like, mm-hmm. no, there's no right. fucking way that's happening. And I didn't even know Colt still existed. Right. Like, I thought they drank the Kool-Aid and then nobody else was in the call to ever again. <laughs> right. Well, I tell, I tell people on my show, too, that we're talking about religious cults, but there's all kinds of fucking cults. Yes. There's political parties. There's Mary Kay. There's they're everywhere. There's AA and the twelve steps. They are everywhere. Every single one. It's weird. It is very freaking weird. I think some sports shit is culty. It can feel that way a little bit. It's so strange. I mean, yeah, you are changing your yourself and like pinning yourself against other people. So I can see that. Yeah, I always tell people here, I'm like, yeah, where I came from, um, like I'm dating now. One guy was like, oh, are you into sports? And I'm like, not really. And they're like, oh, why? And I'm like, I grew up in a place where football was a religion. Mm-hmm. I just... Absolutely. Like I everything never... is shutting down on Fridays. It's a wrap. Like where it's Friday night lights. And then on Sunday, like I remember being in church and having a there was a certain signal that we would give my grandfather to wrap up his sermon because the Saints game was about to come on. I didn't <laughs> like if we were losing, there was a certain signal because one person would go to the back of the church and had a radio and would listen to find out what the score was and what was going on. Oh and they would come God. back and like signal what was going on. Oh, was oh my God, girl. Stop it. <laughs> For real. The score? Yes. Oh my God. I can't with y'all. Like, I literally we cannot. If we with were y'all. losing, what the score was. And then like they would tell my grandfather, like, okay, wrap it up because. Like I said, either the game is about to come on or we're losing and we all need to get home to go see. Girl. So, yeah, it is definitely a religion. It's a religion. I don't care. If if we can't use the word religion, it's definitely an institution. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, the next thing I want to do is a pump and dump. So you're a mom also. I feel like everybody's a mom that I call pump and dump. So y'all think of these differently. But it's basically just anything that you have on your chest. Anything that gets your heart racing. Anything that you need people to know. Um, you stir it up, pump it up, and dump it out. That is so cute. Um... I guess this is so sweet. The thing that I I like to say, like right now, I'm a student of love. I am trying to understand what the hell is it. Um, I'm trying to redefine it because I obviously have a very dysfunctional definition of what love is and um so this is 
actually a very sad and frustrating thing for me because I am such a lover mm-hmm. and believer in love um, and like believe that love is one of the most powerful forces in this universe. And I, I believe that I'm a part of it, that I'm made of it, that I am it. And so to sometimes when I think about love in a romantic sense, I guess, because I have also been trying to acknowledge that romance is not the only significant love that I can have in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, But I want to know, I wish I had, I want to know like an experience what love is, how it is, what does it feel like? What does it look like? How does it sound? Mm-hmm. And experience it in a way of like not worrying that it's going to be that this is temporary, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I mourn love. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I'm I'm like bitter that I even that it's so important to me. Wow. Yeah. That's a complex. I know. <laughs> I know. And Taurus is ruled by the planet of Venus, which is the planet of love and beauty. And it's like, sometimes I, I, I'm I, like, is this why? It's always been so important to me. Always, mm-hmm. always, 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 always. Like, even when I was young, and this is why I was disappointed, is because I'm like, love, and always thinking about it, like, love shouldn't be about what I do. It should be about who I am and what kind of person I am. Right? Right? Like, <laughs> right. So, um, I feel like I've had to rebuild my life after a tragic marriage and divorce, mm-hmm. and had my life explode, rebuild my life, and like isolated myself because I felt like I didn't deserve love after that, and I felt like I wasn't worthy of love yeah. and like I literally my mind was like I'm just gonna die alone now you know <laughs> and so um doing my shadow work and my healing work I'm like getting to the point I'm working on seeing myself as worthy of love and like becoming the kind of person that I want to attract and having hope for that and it's coming along along with that is this deep desire and passion and longing to experience that kind of love romantically and so 
it's so frustrating because I know now that I have to take a, a way more balanced approach to dating, to love, to life in general. Right. And um, so it's like, it's literally like a whole new world and it's so scary and liberating at the same time. And yeah, but I just, I want to know what love is. Yes. And I think that you are, I think that all the experiences that you've had and the things you've gone through have molded you to prepare you for that. Mm. And when it presents itself, there won't be a question. Really? You think that? Yeah. I think you've put in so much work into being sure of that, that, yeah, when it happens, there won't be a question. It'll be something that you're like, okay, this is this is my person. This is where I want to be. This is This is it. This is what I waited for. This is what I worked for. Hmm. Okay, I'll believe you. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that for you. And I feel like, yeah, when you know, you know. And I used to always think that was the dumbest thing that people could say. But like, (laughs) once it happens to you, then you're the idiot who says it. And it just makes sense when it makes sense. (laughs) when you know you know and sometimes like in the situation that I was in with my husband it was like I knew without a shadow of a doubt but I was still afraid of it so I ran from him Mm, because he didn't think you deserved it it seemed too good to be true yes it seemed like why me like I've had all these horrible experiences so mm-hmm. why would now somebody come to me <laughs> and find value in me? Like, mm. and the fact that he knew me before we started dating. So it wasn't like the first time we talked or we we talked about being in a relationship. It was because we were on Tinder or something like that. Like he was just a mutual friend that was always around. That was a downstairs neighbor. Mm-hmm. So on those random drunken nights or just like hanging out with my girls and he's around, he heard the stories of my past. So like mm-hmm. for somebody to know the real genuine nitty gritty me and still seek me out, I was like, there's no fucking way. That's not a real thing. Wow. That's beautiful. I, I just didn't have that value within myself to believe that right. something like that could happen. Yes. Yeah, I mean, my horoscope said, I think yesterday, it said you have a tendency to date underdogs because you fear intimacy with an equal. Hmm. I was like, holy shit. Damn. God damn, is that what I've been doing? (laughs) But it makes sense because... Yeah, it's like this is gonna determine the types of men that I even allow in my life. Right. And that can flow into a lot of different areas of life. So it's like you would 
go under, then go over, and your over is actually on your standard, but you're just like, I'm not, I'm not good enough for that. Yeah. So you'd rather lowball yourself. I'd rather lowball myself than go for my equal and be rejected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know that happened to me with um, singing karaoke? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know why that just made me think about this, but I remember telling this girl I used to work with at Edible Arrangements, this is like seven years ago. Well, maybe like five years ago. She, um, We were talking about karaoke and she was talking about going. And I told her that during karaoke, I always sing horrible so that I don't have to sing in my normal voice and find out that people don't like it. Oh, yep. And my first time doing actual karaoke was last week. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to throw up. I went on a cruise and I was like, we're already, you know, like we weren't in the middle of nowhere yet, but I'm like, we're on this boat. We're secluded. Um, There were actual people there that I knew. So it made it worse, but I just went ahead (laughs) and was like, fuck it. We're on vacation. You know, I'm going to finally just do karaoke. And the response was crazy. Like, people were yelling, like, you know that black church yell, like, yes! <laughs> like, ah! It was so crazy to me. And I was like, all this time, I've been playing yep. around. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> when exactly. I really could have just been doing something that I enjoy and love that, like, even if there was some type of scrutiny behind it I did it because I wanted to do it because it's something that I enjoy exactly I definitely took that to heart and then I also have horrible stage fright I don't know if people know that about me but public speaking is not my fucking thing like I choke every time I hate public speaking and I'll I'll talk to people all day long clearly why I have a podcast but (laughs) like being in front of people and no one's talking but me oh (laughs) no no and they would do that to me all the time and make me do the welcome address um at programs for church of course and i hated it and that to them it was like we're gonna push you out of this fear but Mm -hmm. they were just making it worse and it got to a point where, like, the kids at church would sit front row just to make choking faces at me because they knew I wasn't going to be able to get through it. So every time um, I would get through, like, three or four words, and then my mom would have to come up there, and she would have to finish it. <laughs> so I never got over public speaking. And now, as a therapist, like, I want to start doing panels. I want to start talking to people. I want to start doing things like that. But, like... Mm-mm, mm-mm. being in front of people makes me so nervous so that was my first step was like I'm gonna do this karaoke I'm gonna put myself out there I wore sunglasses <laughs> oh my gosh you don't feel like you could do it even if it's something that you're passionate about and no no because I had to do for um grad school they made us do a conference where you had to like do a presentation Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was going to die. Like I was having anxiety attacks before oh. it. And then when I was done, people were like, you're so great at presenting. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with y'all? I'm, I'm, my mouth was dry. I've, <laughs> I skipped over half the shit. 
I never looked at the audience. <laughs> it was bad. The people were like, you're so convincing. And like, I love the way you speak. And I'm like, y'all are all cracked out. Because I'm always cracked out. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, it's definitely easy to lowball yourself to not feel that rejection. And It is. I never even look at I don't even know when I read that. I was like, what even is my equal Jesus? <laughs> Let's talk about it. Leave me there. <laughs> I don't even know. What is my, what is my equal? Because I'm, I'm just now awakening to how bomb I am. So what right. does that look like in a, in a male version? Girl. Talk about power couple. <laughs> Yes, and the sex is gonna be bombastic. Gotta be, yes, gotta be, because you are in a liberation phase. So, like, that's discovery. That's figuring out like all the things that they said were taboo about sex. Like, do I like that? Do I want to try that? Like, right, a whole new avenue of shit that you can do and I feel yeah. like oh that's so much fun <laughs> I well the um I was on a date with one guy and he asked me if I like being tied up I was like um I'm open to it <laughs> right like I can't tell you yes or no but we can figure it out together baby the answer is definitely no but <laughs> or if I've ever done it before I've never done it before but I'm open right um, but yeah, um, yeah, a whole new world. A whole Ooh, new world. Exactly so I am, I might be young, but I'm ready. Okay, R. Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Beyonce. <laughs> Not R. Kelly. <laughs> Some lyrics that match up, but I don't, that's what came to my mind. You have to excuse the fact that I am like half a bottle into this champagne, and I don't know <laughs> any Beyonce songs past like 2003, so I'm out the game. <laughs> I don't know shit. Oh my gosh. No, <laughs> yes. Power couple. That is what I'm manifesting, girl. I have a love candle burning right now. It is going to be mag fucking magnificent, and I'm so excited for it, and would love yes. to hear all about it. Yes. So my pump and dump was around people being evil and using God to cover it up. Uh huh. Um, an example was that they had this coworker. She was telling me a story about another coworker, and they were throwing a baby shower at work. Mm-hmm. And she asked her, like, are you participating? What are you bringing? And the lady was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to be here, actually, that day. I'm off. Like, I'm not working. So then the lady came back around and was like, you know what? I actually asked God to forgive me for lying, but, like, I am going to be here that day. Why <laughs> couldn't you just say that you didn't want to go, that you don't fuck with that girl? Like, that's a, that's a lot. 
easier <laughs> than being an evil conniving person and then feeling mm-hmm. like everything's okay because you just said oh I asked God for forgiveness right like I don't like those people that are super oh I'm a Christian I love God I'm perfect but then you're doing evil things you're talking about people you're talking to people crazy you're being conniving and passive aggressive but it's all they be the worst ones they be the worst ones sometimes now but it it oh my god yeah that's my pump and dump is like what what are we doing don't do that either be a good person or don't but don't do evil things and then think you can ask god for forgiveness and then all of a sudden you're a perfect person like i don't right that drives me in Saying, I, I know. can't make it. That's why and the church is dying. Yes, because people are tired of that shit. Like, mm-hmm. they want that to be messy. Like, there used to be, I used to attend this church in college, and at the end of the service, I would always talk to this one particular man, and it was mm-hmm. because he was a Kappa. And I'm SG mm-hmm. Rose, so like, we had a connection. And he was in, like, the grad chapter. So they were the ones who would usually, like, cook our dinners for tailgates and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I'd speak and I'd give him a hug. And some kind of way that got interpreted by people that we were sleeping together. And I was like, what in the (laughs) fucking... First of all, these people don't know me. They don't know my first name. They don't know anything about me. But all of a sudden, I'm sleeping with the deacon? Like... (laughs) how did we get here how did this happen and that is so uncomfortable like what it's just always some mess I so for me that's why spirituality has been like something I've been on a journey to find and to to seek out everything that's out there and come up with my own eclectic way of being and what I believe in yes I just can't, I can't stick with the one I got because it's not like much good came out of it. Like I didn't see the support, the communal support. Um, Mm -hmm. So like my grandfather's church was fine, but once he passed and like, even when he got Alzheimer's and he was sick, I saw a lot of creepy, weird pastors that came in and tried to like take over and we still respected that it was his church, but these people were like, oh, no, like, he doesn't really know what's going on, so I can just come in here and steal money or talk bad about people or do whatever I want. So, Mm -hmm. like, those experiences really shaped me to be like, I need to keep my eyes open and Mm -hmm. make sure that I'm doing things for me. And then talking to Desiree and what I was telling you earlier about how she went through her discovery of different religions and Mm -hmm. opened my eyes to the fact that that's a possibility. So, mm-hmm. and I've always been a super spiritual person and I don't know if many people know, but now everybody will know that I'm a medium. So what? I have connections that way and always have since, um, I think I discovered my abilities probably around five or six, but I didn't understand them. Tiffany, shut the hell up. Yeah, I um, I did not know we was gonna take this turn. <laughs> oh my gosh, this I, is so cool um, though. It's not something I 
I guess, revealed to a lot of people because I don't like to explain it. And I don't, also don't know how to explain it. It's just something that I've always had. And I know that most children do have a connection to the spiritual world. And mm-hmm. then as they get older, it fades. And mine just never mm-hmm. did. So, like, um, that that movie that came out where the little boy was like, I see dead people. Mm-hmm. People used to joke about that, but I, I do. And so I used to just kind of keep it to myself because I'm like, I don't want to be seen as a joke or psychotic. Um, but right. as a kid, I would see, I would see spirits. Um, it's not the same now. It's evolved into something different. And it's always just been with my family. And recently, mm-hmm. as of 2014, um, was my first time actually connecting with someone else's family. And it was a girl in my cohort um, in grad school. Um, she mm-hmm. lost both of her parents really young. And I was at her house and they came to me. And that that spooked the mess out of me because I had never spoken to anybody else's relatives, just my own. Mm-hmm. Um, so you like speak to them, you hear them, you see them? Because there's, there's yeah. names for all these gifts. So I hear them, I can feel them. Um, they'll send signs to let me know when it's them. So certain ones have certain knocks that they'll do. Um, some relatives have uh, figures that they'll send to me. So <laughs> recently I was with Jeremy and I saw a black cat in the house. And mm-hmm. he was like, there's no cat there. And I'm like, you can't see it, just me. So. <laughs> Um, for him it is it is very weird I didn't release that information to him until like way far into our relationship and the crazy thing is his father (laughs) passed away when he was 14 so I had been trying to connect with his dad for years before I ever told him that I had this gift and his dad is like not for the shits so when I finally told him he was like and I told him, like, I've been trying to connect with your dad, but he he's not for it. He was like, yeah, that's my daddy. Like, you can leave him alone. He's not for it. His dad Aww. is just like, this is weird. I don't, this is not, this can't be real. Like, how is this a thing? He's just very in disbelief. So he'll send messages, but um, I also have dreams, very vivid dreams of people. And they'll send messages for other people. Mm-hmm. So um, sometimes I'll wake up and I'll call my aunts and my uncle or my mom and I'll tell them things and I have no clue what I'm saying but they know so um like I told my mom one time she needed to move the plant to the left and water it daily or something like that I don't even remember what I told her um but I just called her and told her and she was like okay and come to find out there was a plant that my mom kept when her mom passed away and it was dying. And my mom was just like really depressed about it because she felt mm-hmm. like it was the last thing she had that was living. That was like a piece of her mom. Mm-hmm. And um, she kept praying to her mom and talking to her mom about it. And so that's when my grandmother came to me and told me how to fix it. Wow. So like I'll, I'll have stuff like that come up. Um, Damn. I'll yeah, I'll send messages. That's, that's the other reason why you didn't get caught up in the cult life because you had your people, <laughs> you had your people like, oh, girl, yeah. stop. Like, my 
my ancestors are yeah they are they're heavily there and um my (laughs) grandfather and I have a really really deep connection and I've never met him he passed away probably a year before I was born but um I know exactly what he looks like I know his personality without anybody telling me and um I remember telling my mom about it like there's a man standing in the living room he looks just like my daddy and she was like what (laughs) talking about (laughs) and when I described him she was like that's your grandfather and like how would you know that if you never met him Mm. and um I was like yeah he's standing right there I don't know what you're talking about and then she looked at a calendar and found out that it was his birthday I believe no it wasn't his birthday it was the day that he passed um it was the anniversary of that so I guess he was coming just to visit but yeah wow that, that is, is so. I'm, I'm really surprised though. Yeah, it's not something I shared. And for a while, I was scared to share it because I felt like if I told people, God would take it away. But mm. I feel like um, now with Him revealing it, like in other people's lives, like I was talking about with my, with Abby, mm-hmm. um, that was so special for me to talk to her parents because. Uh, the way they revealed themselves was crazy. But then on top of that, um, they got to be a part of her wedding. So she was engaged at the time that they revealed themselves. And a couple months later was her wedding. So I got to go early and let them speak to her. Um, oh, my gosh. Before the wedding. And it was very sentimental because we were, like, in her mom's childhood room. Like, it was, it was a deal. It was a deal. But I, I didn't. I wasn't expecting that, but it was crazy that it happened. So I used to watch um, Long Island Medium. That was my girl. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, around that time, is she helped me a lot, too, just listening and learning how to lock the portals between this world mm-hmm. and theirs. Because mm-hmm. um, I didn't understand that that was a thing. So a lot of times I would get overwhelmed because they would be sending messages and I wasn't in a place to receive them, but I didn't know that it was an option to tell them to, like, come back later. Yeah, right. So, yeah, I've been learning about this. Yeah, so between having all that, I feel like there's so much more than what I've been taught. And so now I'm in a place where I want to learn different things and about all the things that they say were taboo as far as chakras and Mm -hmm. learning about, you know, different yoga. Jesus was the devil. (laughs) Like, I just want to learn about all these different things that can elevate me on a different level and make me the best human that I could be. This is literally, like, just bringing a smile to my face because this is exactly what I wrote most of my papers about in in theology school. Mm -hmm. I was like, Black women need to know we have options. (laughs) Like, so many <laughs> and like yeah, as a so community, we have to allow those options so when people like you or like me decide to choose something different it's frowned upon and we're seen as witches or we're seen as mm-hmm. you know they're crazy and they need to be locked up and <laughs> people are just right. not allowed to view anything different than the norm which is mm-hmm. to be a Christian and to whoop your children and to eat fried chicken and live your best life. So when you choose... And voodoo is bad. <laughs> right. And that is it. 
And so now I have a deep connection with Marie Laveau. So mm-hmm. it, it's a like connection. Yes, because um her she was my grandfather's godmother. Stop it, Tiffany. Yeah. So Girl, all... this is no surprise then. <laughs> so all these things I'm like well, I need to tap into that. I want to know more about that. So finding out that like voodoo isn't just this black witchcraft. Now there are parts of it that you definitely don't want to play with. Because I remember on my honeymoon, we went to this um, hotel before we flew out for Mm -hmm. our honeymoon and they had a a doll, a voodoo doll in the room as like a souvenir. And I was like, Jeremy, don't you touch it. Don't you look at it. I called downstairs and made them come get it. I don't play about stuff like that. Girl, what the hell? I was like, nope, I don't know enough about it. And y'all not about to play with me. So, but yeah, there are parts of it. There, to me, I'm like, mm, it's just, it, I believe it. I believe this it. is, but let me just, let me just add that this is how I view it. Okay. Voodoo mm-hmm. itself, I mean, this is what I've read and this is what I've come to now. Voodoo itself, any African religion itself, but right now we're talking about voodoo, is a um modality it's a it's a tool right it's a spiritual tool and the ethics lie with the practitioner of this tool and every spiritual tool can be used to help and used to harm including Mm -hmm. christianity as we know yeah and And that's exactly what i was just thinking yes yeah so for your good or for your bad yes so voodoo has so much hidden wisdom power culture and potential yes where black women were leaders and history Mm -hmm. and knowledge that we could really use to take care of ourselves right now yeah but that we're not open to even knowing about because it's because that's not the norm right and everybody's afraid so like the women like changing your diet women who decide to farm who want to do wound care doing shadow work all that is considered as evil and you don't need to do that (laughs) And it's crazy. So, <laughs> like, for me right now, my, I guess because I, I've seen both sides. So, I have a parent that um, wasn't, like, super religious and didn't go to church all the time and views it now as, like, as long as I'm a good person and I have a good relationship with God, I'm okay. And then I have mm-hmm. the other parent who is just, like, you have to go to church every Sunday. you got to go to Bible study on Wednesday. Like, otherwise, things are not right in your life. And everything that goes wrong is because you didn't go to church. Mm-hmm. And so I, I've i seen both sides of that. And that's what I'm dealing with now is my parent being afraid that I'm going to go to hell because I oh. haven't been to church. And sometimes I use the word against it and I love it because I'll be like, well, didn't you say we're two or more gather? And I'm like, it's Jeremy and I. That counts as two. We're good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And but then at once you use their own system against them, then yep. you're still the problem. So mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I'm I'm excited to still figure out my spirituality for myself and what I believe, and also opening that up to my children to to know that once they're of age to start exploring, like it's okay for them to do that. That they don't have yes. to have the same religion as me. This isn't a generational thing that we're passing down. This is just right. what I believe. Right. Exactly. I'm so excited for you and your spiritual journey. And if your abilities are already this powerful, I can't imagine what they would be like when you discover, when you ground them in a principle or a modality or, you know, like a a spiritual tradition or practice because, and develop them and, um, yeah, but you might be the next video queen. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Might as well. <laughs> <laughs> so this last part that I want to do is I always leave the listeners with an affirmation. So mm-hmm. do you have an affirmation for the people? I do. Oh, love you. <laughs> So this is coming from my therapeutic approach that I like, that I primarily use in therapy sessions with patients overcoming substance use disorder. And um, this quote has guided my own healing process as well. And um, yeah, so it's from a Swiss psychiatrist who studied under Freud. His name is Carl Jung. And the quote is, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you will call it fate. Okay. So until you shine a light on what has been hidden in the dark for so long and become aware of what we're unaware of inside of ourselves, we will continue to self-sabotage ourselves. We'll continue to limit ourselves. We'll continue to live a life that we, like, yeah, does this make sense? Yes, a lot of okay. sense. Like, repeat these patterns and, like, right. keep doing shit that we don't want to do, but we just do it because we don't even fucking know why we do it. Right. Um. So, yeah, that it's powerful to me. It will rule your life, and you will call it fate because it's saying, like, literally our fate is in our hands, mm-hmm. and this is the way to get that control of your fate and um that half the shit that we think is our fate um it isn't right it's based on just our actions <laughs> right and insecurities yes yes exactly and traumas and fears yeah exactly so which is why repeat after me guess Go to fucking therapy. <laughs> <laughs> this yes. is why you go to fucking therapy. 
Yeah. So that you can it's work so these funny. things out. I feel like people have this stigma that you only go to therapy when something is wrong, but this is how yep. you figure out who you are and what you believe and why you mm-hmm. believe it mm-hmm. is going to therapy. Like it, it just gives you an opportunity to think and have someone record those thoughts and, and pull them back for you and say, oh, wow, like, you know, two, three weeks ago, six months ago, you believe this and now you believe this. How did we get here? How do you feel mm-hmm. about that change? So it's not just, oh, I don't have no problems. Everything's good in my life. I can figure it out on my own. And then you just don't go. Mm-hmm. Like, right. it's a part of healing. It's a part of discovery. And yes. it's healthy. Like, that's that's a good thing to do. Yes. It's like getting going to get a physical, but for your mind. Yes. I like that. That's a good way of thinking about it. Yeah. So my affirmation is just enjoy your today. And I know that's harder to say because every day isn't a good day. But enjoy it for what it is. So most of the time we're so focused on getting where we want to be or not feeling the way we feel at that moment that we don't realize that in this day, there was something in it that you prayed for. There was something in it that you longed for that you manifested years ago, months ago, weeks ago that you still got, whether that be you got off work an hour earlier and you just said two weeks ago, like, man, I wish I had a little bit more time for myself. Like, take in that today you got that opportunity. It may not look exactly how you want it to look. It wasn't a beach vacation, but that was an hour that you didn't deal with somebody else's bullshit. (laughs) So enjoy your today for whatever it is. Find ways to enjoy those moments and realize that things that you prayed for manifested or dreamed about in the past are happening in this moment, whatever those things are, whether that be you're pissed off because the kids just fucked up the house and you got to go clean it. But last year you weren't in a position to even have a house. So enjoy your today in the fact that that that's something that you didn't have, that you didn't know you could have, that you could manifest that was in your, your future. So that's mine. And I hope that helps someone. And between the two of ours, y'all can feel motivated and affirmed. Um, I thank you so much, Chastity, for coming in and being honest Mm -hmm. and open about your experiences. Um, I feel like that that takes a a different type of bravery to... Mm -hmm admit to something like that, that that's happened in your life based on the stigma that comes behind it, but also the feelings that you're feeling of feeling ashamed and embarrassed. Like Mm -hmm. it would have been so much easier to sit in a corner and continue to feel those things and feel shame for yourself and not Mm. put the story out there, but that was truly brave of you to do. And just as many people as you brought into the church, you kept away from the church by the things that you're doing right now. Oh, Tiffany. Girl, I believe thank you. Thank you so, so much. I'm enjoying seeing your healing process and the things that you're Aww. doing. 
and how you're coming out of this because I I cannot imagine. I know it can't be easy and there's what you're doing has no blueprint, which makes it even more of a pioneering, like feminine divine thing of like empowerment because you're doing something that no one's done before that you don't have a blueprint for it. So that mm. that's a whole nother level of bravery to say, I'm not going to do things the way that I've seen them done. I'm going to do them differently. And whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent, this is what I want to do. Right. Oh, Tiffany. Girl. I appreciate you. you for coming and telling your story and sharing with people and helping to keep people safe and keep them out of cults because we don't need that. But also helping me to recognize I was in one, bitch. I <laughs> blew my mind when I turned on that podcast and you said the name of it. And I was like, because when you said it, I was like, there's no way when I listen to this is going to be the church I think it's going to be. And when you said it, it was like, oh, shit. I was there. I did that. I was a part of that. What the fuck is happening? So, if y'all want to get the full backstory and get Chastity's view on a lot of other things that we didn't talk about, please go to her podcast and listen and get some advice and keep up with her. It is called Spirituality, and that's spiritual, I-T-E-A, as I'm like, get the tea, sip it, hon. Spirituality. So, spirituality with Chastity. Yes. I want y'all to go check that out and keep up with her and get her listeners up. Keep up with her just like you keep up with me. Um, and once again, I just I thank you. So I want to wish all of my listeners light, love, and healing on their life's journey. And thanks for listening to the Loquacious Podcast. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) 